How many submissions has Holly Shorts received each of the past five years? Yeah, so in the five years ago, uh, we, we were at around 2,000 or so submissions for that year. Uh, this past year, we received 5,000 submissions. So we've, in between that, we've gone from 2,000 to 5,000 for the last five years, increased around 500 or so each of those years. So 2,000, 2,500, 3,000, 3,500, so on and so forth. Um, to now where last year we we're at 5,000 submissions for the 14th year. This is our 15th year coming up and we're expecting potentially 6,000 submissions. That's a big increase and we might jump up 1,000 this year um, based on averages. Of course, our early bird deadline is coming up next Friday. So, you know, we're estimating what it could be. Um, so, yeah, it's, a, it's we've seen a big jump these last five years, definitely. Very cool. Of those multi-thousand plus films that you've received since the inception of Holly mm -hmm. Shorts, how many would you say you've personally watched? Uh, a lot. Uh, I'd say uh, it used to be 100%. Now that's not as possible with the amount of growth sure. of films and having a lot. New family and new duties and things on top of that. Um, it's probably a good, I'd say at least 80% of all the films. Wow. I've not even more. I mean, there's just the last few years we've uh, grown our review team where I'm overseeing the process more now and watching certain scores and rewatching some films and watching my own. but. I'm not just hands down watching everything like it was before, say five years ago, where I was literally just hunkered down watch every single film. 2,000 films is much easier than watching five to 6,000, naturally, uh, just time permitting, right? So I'd say that's probably a, a healthy and safe number because I, I, like I like to see everything <laughs> as much as sure. I can possibly do. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just it's a personal sense of pride and also maybe maybe I'm too controlling. I don't know. I want to make sure I'm well, overseeing and watching it, all yeah. the films. Yeah. So, so there's that part of it. And of course, in the end, films that I'm, uh, of course, watching and, or other people are watching and reviewing the scores, I'm going to program the films. I program the festival. So in the end, the films that do get in, I'm watching all of them. So of that number you asked, if you look at the number of the films that are accepted or in the festival, those I watch 100% of. So naturally. So yeah, I'm going to review scores of other judges and then say, okay, I want to watch these, these, these. I'm going to make sure Let's see what they're talking about here and kind of just double check their work. And if I like the films and then it can sort of makes that sort of passive approval, uh, I'll be the one to program the film. So, you know, I'm sort of, I guess, the, the last go around uh, if it gets in or not kind of thing. <laughs> I'm curious about this review team. Mm -hmm. um, who are they and how do you screen them to know that they're really indie film fans? Well, well we, we do a process of uh, sort of give them a, a soft start, right? Like, okay, hey, you know, this is our criteria. This is what we look for. We have a very big breakdown very thorough breakdown of how we judge, how we score, what we're looking for, what the process is, understanding how many films come in. Because, you know, if you if you just watch films for, for the film, right? If you're just watching a film, you might like a film, you know, and, and you think it's okay. And there's there's elements you like, there's elements you don't like, but you're like, oh, well, this, this has a chance or something. Uh, you might score maybe a little lenient or something. Uh, not understanding that there are 6,000 submissions and there's only 400 spots that, that actually can get in. So that, that number is what, five, five to 8% you can actually make the festival. It's very competitive. So if you're looking at it from that standpoint and only watch five to 10 films, they may not understand the full scope of how many films are there. Does that make sense? Like there's a, there's a lot of films to watch. So if they're just looking at their batch, they may not understand the full scope. So we try to break down a very thorough, you know, like listed out email of what we're looking for, what the scope of how many films we receive, what kind of films we've have received. Looking at the lineups from the years past, we share with the lineups, hey, look at these, review our schedule so you understand what we've shown, what kind of films we show, the genres, styles, different things, um, you know, so they understand when they're looking at the films, like, okay, what is the full scope of how the festival programs and what we've had before and what we're looking for and things like that. So we give them all that. And 
and again, assign only a few films to start. If we love their results and, and feel it's on par with what we're looking for, then we'll keep them on board to review many more films and, you know, and oversee the process. If it's just too, if usually too lenient is, is more troubling for me personally, honestly, it, it, we, we do, it is a very competitive festival. Sure. Uh, and obviously we don't want someone who just, every film is obviously a home run and it's amazing and you watch the film and it's not on par. That's not what we're looking for. Now, at the same time, if you're too harsh, it's also, you know, something that could be a fantastic film and they're grading it like a three out of 10. And it's like, okay, you're, you're being, you know, unreasonable. So there's both sides. You don't want that. And if that's the case, then we just sort of, you know, sometimes we let them know, hey, we're just moving on. Or some people just, you know, quite honestly, we just, you know, move on and don't respond anymore. <laughs> like, all right, you know, we're going in the direction. We just kind of like, you know, look for other people and things like that. Um, but yeah, that's, that's basically the sort of process. If we like what their early work is with a few films, then we, we can keep them on for more. Of the people that you know in the film industry, is there anyone that's watched as many short films as you have, you and Theo? Um, I don't know. You know, I would, I would say probably no. I think now, at this time now, like we talked about this years ago, I'd say, who knows? I don't know. I think it's safe to say, you know, when you look at the math of all the films over all this many years, and since we're just shorts, essentially just shorts only and not the features, I think we probably watched as many shorts as anyone in the world, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. It's a lot of movies we watch. So start thinking like, yeah, have I watched more shorts than anyone? I don't know. <laughs> it sounds weird to say, but it's possible, I think. Sure. I don't know. It's a lot of films. I mean, you're talking at least, I mean, I don't know. I mean, we've, you're one of, I mean it's, say, on average, 15 years average is 2,500 films, let's just say. What is that number? That's 2,000, 30,000 movies or something. I don't know. It's a lot of movies. So we've seen a lot of shorts. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I think we asked you this before, Dan, but why is it so important for you to play such a vital role in the submission process? I mean, why not have an intern do all of it? Yeah, well, you know, it, it's, it still goes back to the same thing that we've talked about before, is that it's our name on this. Of course, it's Holly Shore. It's not my personal name, but the filmmakers know, you know, Daniel Sol, Theo Dumont, Nicole Castro. They know the team behind the fest. It's, we take pride in that. So it, it's, it's always a challenge of, yes, we obviously need help in certain areas. Um, and that's just, that's not one of them where I feel like it's, it's something we want to just completely pass on and say, we're not going to be that, that involved in, in, as far as programming or watching the films, we want to know what the films are, who's making them, you know, if we enjoy them, we think they're for our taste. Um, every festival has their films, not every film is for every festival. Uh, that's, that's actually a line from John Gann. I stole that. So oh, okay. I was going to say, that's that. really good. <laughs> that's, that's his line. <laughs> I'm making sure he gets credit. John, you're watching. That's your line. Okay. <laughs> you know, and it's, but it's, a, it's very true. I've always felt that he said it at panels or a festival. It's very true. It's, it's not, we like certain films. Some festivals may not like. We've had films that are Oscar qualifying now that, that are, that are from our festival, that have won our festival, and then they don't get, they get rejected by other festivals. So it, it could be that even that, that, that varying, right? Where a film can make, you know, the Oscars and still get rejected by festivals. So. You know, not not in that said, like we want to make sure that sort of our taste and our feeling and vibe of the films and, and we sort of give our sample approval of these films is, is, is still something we control and, you know, it, it's ours. So, so we take pride in that. So it's just important to still take part in that very heavily and not just say, hey, well, let's just pass it on to all these people and just have interns just watch films. And, and then, you know, we'll just kind of like let them essentially handle that process. I, I don't I don't want us to, I don't want us to really. Get into, get into that now if we had you know got to a point when it was you know overwhelming and it was just 12,000 plus emissions or something in it then we really got to really reevaluate 
but we're growing and it's getting there, but we're not there yet. And, you know, I don't know what cap off we'll have at submissions or when it will peak out, but, you know, for foreseeable future, we still want to stay heavily involved in that. Would you say you're addicted to short films? I guess so. <laughs> that's a pretty good question. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I guess now, yeah, I think so, maybe. I think early on it was more of the love of film and filmmaking and being involved with the festival and involved in the industry and the process. It was something we were excited about. Um, but now it's, it's uh, yeah, I mean, as many films as I've watched over these years, as we've all watched, and, and, and just the process of discussing shorts and, you know, what their place is in this sort of hierarchy in the industry, um, with the new age of streaming and everything, what does that mean for us and for shorts? Uh, we want to champion shorts, and we spend a lot of our time watching short films. I spend a heavy majority of my time outside of anything else I do as a hobby, outside of work and watching the films, is, is watching short films. So um, I guess with the controlling aspect of what we've, I've been outlining, how I'm saying I don't want to give up control and not watch films anymore, I guess you can, it's fair to say that I guess we're, we're, we're kind of addicted to shorts. <laughs> sure. You know, I think it's a, it's a, I haven't thought of it that way, but it actually, it, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> And I don't think that's a bad thing at all to <laughs> want control over, you know, putting, I know it's not your two personal or three personal names on it, yeah. but that, you know, you're, that's your brand. And so yeah. that, that makes sense. Yeah. It's okay. when, when people, if someone's buying a ticket to attend the festival, uh, you know, they are, it's a representation of what we're programming, what we've chosen based on all the pool of submissions. Obviously we're, we're taking of what was, what came to us. If we had five films submitted and that's all we had, then we're picking from five films. Okay. But we have this many thousands of films we're picking from this pool. And, you know, we take pride in what that ends up being, what reflects on screen. It's very exciting to showcase what we feel are the next-gen filmmakers or filmmakers are, are on the rise or just extremely talented or just thought-provoking or unique and showing those voices and giving them a chance to screen. And it's, it's at our event. It's exciting. It's something we obviously, that's what we're doing. It's what it's for. Uh, you know, if you didn't like that, then, then what are we even doing this for? So it's, uh, yeah, it's something that we're, you know, of course, going to be very proud, you know, very, very proud about. So. Yeah, yeah, I think, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's something that, you know, it's very important for us. You said next gen. Uh, do you see a difference in style or approach um, across the generation? So let's say when you first started mm -hmm. in the 30 seat theater that mm -hmm. I remember that, that one theater <laughs> that I went to and it was great. It was a lot of fun, even for the 30 people. But that was 15 years ago. So maybe Gen Xers were, were submitting then. Then you have millennials and now Gen Z. Do you see a difference in their filmmaking? Uh, well, yeah, yeah, there there is because it's just it's it, think of the time frame of what your capabilities were, right? I mean, back then, fifteen years ago, there was no YouTube, there was no nothing. Streaming was really not a thing yet. It was it was there was maybe at the time there was uh, might have been maybe iFilm. I think it was like the first site doing any streaming or anything where you could post video. It was like I think that was basically about it, and that might have even not even been the first year. It might have been like year two or three, maybe. Uh, it's fifteen years now, a little little fuzzy on the exact dates and details, but. Um, you know, so, so the creation of content, what you're doing, your goal for making your films back then was more thesis films. We got a ton of student films, thesis films. It was more of that. You didn't see as much of the, the, uh, genre films, right? Like now we're seeing all these amazing visual effects and sci-fi films and sci-fi shorts was not something that wasn't something we really were seeing back then. But now because of whether it's different technologies, different use of different cameras, the, the, the accessibility of visual effects and learning these things. Um, filmmakers are looking to post things on their own channels or maybe they have subscribers or then you have the younger generation of the millennials who you know, are into web series stuff and love web series and shows and, and all that. So that all is something that didn't, the web series, the word didn't exist back then. There was no such thing as a, what is a web series? There was no such thing 15 years ago. 
now web series and web content and YouTube red all this stuff this is a this is a real thing and this is where many many shows and creators are making stuff constantly all the time I mean there's a whole we could have a, I mean there's plenty of festivals that just do web stuff we have a web series category you can have your own web series festival a standalone there's not much content out there so that's where you've seen a big change in kind of the, the added genres and the different styles of filmmaking and of course categories like web series which just didn't exist when we started this so literally you just adapt as we've gone along we added that category probably i think six or seven years into the festival maybe um you know before that there was just it wasn't something we were even you know gonna do so uh, and when we just started we're like is this something even worth adding and that kind of thing so we've seen how that's changed the sort of short short content narrative what about issue driven do you think 15 years ago um, we were submitting as many shorts that were about specific issues and things that people are trying to solve. Has that always been a part of filmmaking or do you think it's more so now with this new generation? I also think, I think more so. I think more so, yeah. I think, um, I mean, yeah, it's always part of filmmaking, especially, of course, documentary subject. I mean, your, your short, short docs are always going to tackle certain subjects, you know, whether it's political controversies or whatever. Um, you know, all that stuff, that's normal. That's, that's, we've seen that even that many years ago. But now... I mean, just even this, these last few years, you know, with, of course, political climate right now and Trump, we've seen a slew of films just being made about him and about that. The, the, the instability of, of things that go on and then how fast you can create the content to submit, right? Like, they can make a film. A filmmaker can make a film. No, not talking quality, production budget, whatever. You know, you can make it in a matter of days, a day, and, and have it cut and submitted. I mean, in a matter of days, you could actually submit that. Now, again, not talking quality or if it's good or not or whatever, but the, the, the submission comes in. So the film can be made and submitted that fast. So there is a sort of um, what's happening now can, can be seen in the reflection of the submissions each year, um, whether that's political stuff now or um, I think of, say, five years ago, what was some of the, you know, just, just I guess, long story short, basically what, what you're seeing happen in a, in a climate of the world, we're seeing come through our, our way, uh, you know, much, uh, much faster. And it's just sort of like you're seeing the wave of how people think. It's kind of a cool thing. Like the process of what's coming our way is based on filmmakers in the world, what they're making based on what's happening. And that wasn't so much the case as early on. Um, not to say that wasn't happening, but the accessibility of the, the filmmaking process and how fast it's, it's become as far as the shorts content, shorts films being made has changed. So maybe that's just a, a product of that. But you see more and more of that and back then we didn't see as much it was a thesis film took more time to make and it was planning and so you see just some student films and stuff shot on film so that's obviously also a slower process so it was different it was just different um you know yeah i mean that said also we only did receive you know the first year we're talking 23 movies second year 170 years so you know a different amount of films but <laughs> i mean quickly we're up to around almost a thousand in a few years and, and then so you're still getting a gauge of what's out there do you think short films get the respect that they deserve? Um, I, I, think, I think more so now. I think it's getting there. I think for us the dream or the goal is that it becomes um, the, basically the norm, right? Like there's a more of a, a social norm to short films, short filmmaking, the content creation, and also the viewership. You know, people are going to turn into want to watch shorts in a way that uh, is, is changed and never been done before. If you, know, if you know what I'm saying, like, like, right now you think of, of course, feature films, theatrical, right? You think, okay, big films, you know, I want to go see the see them in a movie, and that's that's the, the the story and the draw, right? You know who's what movie's out there, you know who's starring in it, and all that kind of stuff. 
And of course, now there's also a turn to that because now Netflix and streaming has changed how they release stuff. Now you're going to, hey, I got to go see this movie, uh, Bird Box. Everyone's talking about Bird Box, social chatter about this thing. It's a movie that is just on Netflix. So it's a streaming movie. That's a feature, but I think that shift can now go towards and help the short film cause. I think people can look to short content and short films in a way that's never been done before. It's something that we're working on, kind of behind the scenes. It's something we're thinking it could be the future. Um, the younger generation, they grew up watching stuff on their tablets, phones, short content. You know, that's been something they're used to. You know, they didn't grow up watching TV the same way we did, where it was, okay, you got to tune in this day, this time to watch your favorite show, TGIF on ABC, all that stuff. That doesn't really exist anymore in the same way. And so all of that, I think, lends itself towards people wanting to actually watch short films and see really cool short films. And you see the viewer numbers in some of these films and stuff, that's, whether it's on Vimeo, whether it's on platforms, whether it's on like a dust or, you know, the viewership is, there's millions of views in some of these films. So people are watching. So the question now becomes who's watching, who are the viewership, who are the viewership of these films? And how do you turn that into a sort of a commercial viable thing that's not just a, like a niche, but something that's commercial and more like universally accepted or known. So it's more household. That, that's the next step. And I think we're definitely more so there than we were before. Definitely when we started this 15 years ago, it was not. It was thought of as just the little niche thing, short film, student film, thesis, art, creative, very artistic. And, you know, that, that was like a different thought process to what it meant to see a short film. And, and also you see it with the Oscar nominated films in the theatrical release. Every year they've done better and better in theatrical release every year in the last like six, six years or so. Um, you see the numbers, the box offices, they're just performing it's because... You know, there's limited release, but the, in that release, they're, they're making good money and people want to see them. So they're going out to the theater to see the films. Whereas early on, it was, you thought years ago, oh, that wouldn't happen or who's going to go see these movies, right? And, you know, there was a sort of negative thing to that. And I think now that's gone away. So, yeah, I think there's a, there's a, I think it's a bright future. Yes. <laughs> I guess. Future's so bright, I got to yes, wear yes. shades. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> to show my 80s reference, yeah. <laughs> Do you think, though, that um, hardcore... Uh, feature film proponents have changed their tune about making shorts because there's those two schools of thought and, and people have you know pretty legitimate reasons for e either either case yeah. but do you think they've they've switched in terms of some of these hardcore feature film like only have actually said you know what now now is the time actually to dabble in that and it does make sense to, to make shorts yeah no I think so I think so I think I mean you're seeing uh, we've even seen some of the, the films that we've received that are directors that we know of at times, whether, you know, whether it's notoriety or they're known for their feature work, that they're making shorts, various reasons, whether they want to experiment a certain type of story, they just really want to try to tell a certain story, they want to make a short to showcase what they can do with that story for a feature. There's different reasons why people do make shorts. It's not always just about that story or narrative. Sometimes it is a teaser for a feature and this kind of thing. You know, you see that sometimes. But we're seeing there's a crossover of both. It's not just short filmmakers making shorts and it's just short content and that's all they do. Of course, they may go on to do features or shows and all that stuff. But there's also a feature filmmakers or people that are established in that way or doing features that are also doing shorts. So, you know, it's sort of back and forth. I don't know if it's a, you know, some kind of wave or it's just like, it's just gonna change things or, or if that's gonna, I'm not sure about all of that. Like that's a bigger question, you know, but uh, I think of all this, I think the one area that has changed stuff is the scalability of, of the, the, the platforms that are, are spending money. People are spending money, right? Apple and Netflix. And, you know, Amazon to create content that can be shorter. What that really falls under is a lot of times is TV. 
TV now has changed everything, and it's, it's not what it used to be. It's it's this big wild west of unknown. There's tons of money going into shows. People are watching shows. I would think probably like never before, and we're seeing a lot of our creators that have gone on to now go on to do TV shows. You know, whether they create their own, the alumni have gone and do some stuff, and they're they're doing TV shows. I think like more like never before. I mean, just seeing and following some of our alums, and then see what shows they either show run and create or just they're directing stuff. There's just a, there's a lot more work there, and there's just a, it offers a different kind of creative freedom and. And you're seeing that, I guess, that turn of like shorts to TV as well. So, um, you know, it's definitely a, a different time. And, and, you know, and then TV is definitely an area where you're seeing a lot of a lot of our short filmmakers kind of go on to do you know, TV. So we see every year, whether it's Twitter or, or somewhere on social media, that Holly Shorts is always designated one of the top festivals worth the entry fee. What does that mean to you? Well, it's 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 very important. I mean, look, it doesn't. It's, it's obviously an article distinction, someone saying that and writing an article about it, so it's not something we obviously have any control over. Uh, we're very proud of that and happy about it, and it's not like any kind of make or break thing, but it is, it is something that we take pride in. We want people to feel like they submit to the festival, it's, it's gonna be worth their time and money. Now, obviously, again, you, you submit, you may not get in if you don't get in. It, in that sense, I suppose, for it may not be worth it to said person in, in, in some sense, but there are other opportunities with our monthly screenings, and things like that, where we're not just taking the films from the festival and then that's it. There's when you get in the festival, there's a lot that comes with that. But if you don't get in, but you're also invited to the monthly screening, or we don't quite, we're not able to quite program the film in the festival, but we can showcase it in a different month. You're still getting something out of your submission. It's still very valuable. So that's something we offer that some festivals do not offer, or don't do because they don't have monthly events. So we feel like there's there's a lot of value there, and it's something of us we take pride in. We're not you know here to just you know. Uh, you know, I guess take people's submissions of money and just like not watch the movies or something. That's not what we're doing. So it's obviously, it's very important for us to feel like it's worth people's while to submit. And when they do get in, I think there's a, I think it's a huge value. I mean, you spend, whether it's 35 bucks or 70, whatever the top end, you know, low end to top end, as far as early bird, late deadline, all that, that money is, if you accept it, is extremely well spent. I mean, you, now you're going to get passes the festival. What's your pass itself? You get one all access badge, 600 bucks. You, that's already value in itself to have a pass. You, you and your guest or other, whether it's producer, director, team or whatever, get passes. Those badges get you in all the parties, screenings, everything. So you're able to access everyone and be at the festival and attend and take part of all that. So that right there is already great. Then you have an awesome screening at a great venue, the Chinese Theater. So it's good quality screening, great sound, great screen quality. DCP looks great. Everything's good. So now you're getting an awesome experience there with a great crowd. So that's part of it. That's great. Then, of course, the parties and networking, very valuable. And that's, I think, probably the biggest value of anything. If you're at a festival, you have to be a part of it to take part, to meet people, share your stories and ideas, talk about your film that someone just saw. If they just saw your film and you're not there to talk about it. Hey, where's that director? I love that movie. Oh, no, they're not there. Okay, well, the person just forgets it. Like, they move on. Like, they can't talk to you. Maybe they don't know how to get a hold of you. Like, well, then that's an opportunity lost to... to mingle with someone to network, to collaborate? What if it's an agent or someone who can sign you? What if it's a producer who's interested in your work and wants to see more, wants to produce you? You, you know, you don't know. So we've stories of abound of people after the fact have emailed us and, hey, I met this person at the festival and I worked with them on this and this happened because of this or, you know, I got booked on commercials and got my, my career at this point because of that screening and that experience and being there, talking to people there and they love my movie. That's what it's all about. That's, 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 that's gold. So when that happens, that's exciting. And that's what we would take pride in. And if you're not there for that, you're missing out. But I think there's a huge value in that. So definitely it's something that's, uh, for us, is again, we talk about the pride of the name and people know it's us. And you know, we, we obviously want this thing to be a great event, 
you know, we take a lot of pride in that. So, so definitely, yeah, it's uh, it means a lot. Yeah, I've always enjoyed the Q and A's. After yeah. you know, I went to one of the mm-hmm. monthly screenings mm-hmm. a few months ago, and the Q and A was just just because I I was so curious about the stories behind it. Yeah. So I think it's so valuable for yeah, well, people yeah, to yeah. attend if yeah. they can. Yeah, that's exactly that's it. You get the Q and A, people can hear your, your share your stories, and you get and have an audience of people that have that, that you have their ear. They want to know and hear from you in that moment. That's your time to sort of shine. Um, not everyone. Some people love a Q and A. Some people are very nervous and shy about it. They don't like talking in front of crowds. But hey, it's your chance to get up and do it, overcome that and share your stories with everyone and talk about your reasoning for making your movies. That's a cool experience. I mean, at that moment, that crowd of how many people, it's 100, 200, 400, 500, they're, they're there to listen to you talk about your project and they're giving you the love and they wanna hear what you have to say about it. That's, everyone, you know, you got everyone's attention, that's really cool. And that's, uh, that's part of the process. That's why it's very important to have those Q and A's. And that's, that's a big, of course, part of being there. But again, if you're not there, I, I just, it baffles me at times <laughs> when there's no participation from our filmmakers and you get accepted, it's a big deal. And we think it's very important for those folks to represent themselves at the festival. Um, not just saying because it's our festival, but any festival. Sure. You should, if your film's there, if you can, of course, depending on travel, whatever. But if it's not you, it's someone with the film or someone involved, should be representing the film. It's an opportunity to take that pass and, and, and tell the stories and share about the film and be in front of the audience. And, and you, know, you have your moment to shine there. And to just not do anything with that, it's, uh, I just I don't understand sometimes, to be honest. <laughs> Dan, can you kind of peel back the layer for us? Can you take us through like the life of a submission? Like suppose I'm submitting my film, whether I do it, what is it through Film Freeway or if I actually mail it in, what happens to that film? Yeah, well, we'll tell you a quick story for today. I picked up a DVD uh, in our mailbox today. Uh, it was the only one so far for this whole year. So that was a, <laughs> that's like, good. This is like oh, a DVD is here. Like I was early like, bird. That's yeah, good. Yeah, like, oh, it's like so. I was surprised. I was surprised to get it. To be honest, it used to be a time where it was all DVDs, and we had to just uh, the process of mailing DVDs. And our mail was piled. It was insane. And now it's nice and clean, all streaming. <laughs> the one DVD is like, whoa, there's a DVD here. It's like an anomaly. It's like that's it's cool. funny. Uh, the times have changed. Um, you know, but but yeah. We so for us, the majority of our submissions come through Film Freeway. Um, now, obviously, we have other platforms we're on. Uh, we are on still without a box, although, yes, without a box, is, as everyone now knows, uh, uh, I think next October, they're, they're closing up shop. So without a box is now done. It will be defunct at that time. So we are still on without a box. Um, and then other platforms are Realport, Fest Home, Click for, Fe- uh, Click for Festivals. So these other platforms, that are, a lot of those are international. Um, Film Festival Life, all, all these are either Australia, uh, Germany, Spain, different countries that have their platforms as well. We're on essentially uh, many of the platforms for submission you know, process. Um, but Film Freeway is our main you know, top one and our, our main one that most people submit through. Um, so you know, say for instance, a Film Freeway. So they send emails every time, some of the platforms send emails when a submission comes in. So I'm in box, I'll get an email come in and see these, these amount of films are submitting as they come in. So, okay, look, this, this is a film that just came in, I'll take a look and then I go log in. And then I devote a certain time of the day to watching a certain amount of films each day. Um, and then from there, I'm just going to go through that process of watching films that are coming in and, you know, rate them. We do one through 10 system. So that's how we judge our stuff is one through 10, along with, of course, notes to go with that and flags. Flags meaning, you know, green means this, blue means this. There's different inside stuff we designate to what a flag would mean. You know, uh, orange might mean this. And there's different colors we have that we can designate to what that may, might mean for our judges and for us to look at. So when I go back and look, I can say, oh, how many of these are green? This is what green means. Green means second round. Or, you know, I'm just throwing that out there. It's not necessarily that. But, you know, so there's a different process with how we do the flags. Um, but the main thing is still, of course, the scoring. If a film scores low, it's, 
you know, not likely to get a second look. If the film scores high, it's going to have a chance to get a second look and then go on to a second round of viewing after all the films are watched. So, you know, that score is a very, very critical part of the process. But yeah, simply put, I, I look through the films, I watch a certain amount each day, whether it's sometimes five, sometimes it's 10 to 20, sometimes even more. And I'm just looking through the films, watching them and, and scoring them and putting my notes and saving them. Film Freeway is great because I can save them. Other judges that go in there or other people like Theo, myself and Nicole, we can see each other's scores and notes. Um, I can assign the films to other judges or to, to them. And, uh, and so they can see, hey, if I send something to them, maybe I really like it and want them to see it. So, hey, Theo, check this one out and put a note. And so we can kind of communicate that way. And yeah, so that's the film freeway process. It's similar in some other platforms, but not exactly the same with how they use their system for judging. Uh, we have a separate document that we create, especially with all of the films. So we can score and put notes in there. That way we can always make sure there's a place that we have them so we know that we watched it. Because again, all these platforms are different. Without a box's system of how they do notes and scoring isn't the same as Film Freeway and Fest Home is different, so on and so forth. They're not all the same as far as how they're set up for scoring. So we use those that master document to make sure we keep track of all the films and all the scores. And so when we can go in there, we can you know make sure that we can see it. Or if I want to see a film and then I double check, hey, look, Theo already saw this and he gave this a score, and this this judge saw this and they gave this score, and this is their notes and and then that kind of thing. So basically, the the score, the notes, you know, are, are a big part of it. Uh, obviously, and uh, and the beauty of Film Freeway is you can save it there and you know have it ready to go and anyone can view it if they have access to view and so we can kind of share notes internally that way where it's saved and lives on the on the application in our back end um, when we save the score and the notes. So um, yeah, so that's the kind of a little look into that process. It's basically a twofold thing. It's using the systems that are in place like Fest Home, Film Freeway, Without a Box, all that and to our best as far as scoring and saving notes. Um, so it's always living there. You can go find it on the application, but also having our spreadsheet that we have a master document where we import all the submissions from all the different platforms and things. So we can always double check and put our scores in there and make sure we have another place that we're not missing a score or missing notes and where a film gets watched and doesn't have a score or notes. So we always have a place to kind of have a backup to make sure we have all the information we need as far as scoring and all that there from different judges. So of a film that um, is going to make it into the actual festival that's in August mm -hmm. every year, um, how many eyeballs have been on that that film that film actually makes it into the 400? That makes it to the festival. Um, I mean, that's at least that's at least at that point at least three people at least if three oh. maybe even sometimes more. Um, we have our main, of course, just myself, Theo, Nicole. That's already three of us right there. So, generally, for those films at that tier, that level, if not if two or three of us have watched, maybe not. Say, for instance, maybe at some point myself and Nicole watched and until Theo bought it, and you know, we don't have to like approve each other. Like I program the fest, so if I'm in the end, reviewing all the stuff based on the notes and, and other judges, and we decide, hey, they love this film, this film is acceptance, this is amazing, this is in, we talk about it, it's in. I don't have to have all three of us watch a film to accept it, if sure. that makes sense. Um, you know, so they can you know, sort of bypass that. So sometimes maybe not all three of us have watched it. Um, you know, and I guess at that point it wouldn't matter, it's accepted, it's in, so it's still great, so it's yeah. not to be watched by everyone, <laughs> but, you know, but yeah, so it's still at least two of the three of us, and then of course there's a review team involved, and so, Initially, so if, if say we assign certain films to the review team and say, hey, you, Judge A, you're gonna watch these, this is your batch of films, you're watching these, you give me your scores and notes and your, your thing and do all that there. Okay, they watch the films, I go in and I'm gonna review all their stuff. Okay, these films got these scores, this is what has a chance, this one doesn't, this one I wanna see what these are and there's a certain tier level of scores. I'm gonna rewatch all those and then see you know what's going on with those. Are those going on in the next round? Do I agree with their score? 
do I think their score is poor? Do I think their score is amazing? Do I think they even scored too low and this is even better than I expected? And I'll even add my even notes and they could average in Film Freeway as a system where it averages two, no, two scores. So one judge A watches films. They, hey, they give this an eight. Eight and they have their notes. This is why. And they gave it a thumbs up and this is this. Okay. Well, I think this thing is actually better. I think this is a nine. This is incredible. I'll put my notes in and my thing and then also save that. It averages both scores together. So now the score will go to 8.5. Just doing easy math. Nine, eight. You know, it averages out. 8.5 now. So now I bumped the score up a bit and I'll note that this is a second round viewing and I've watched this now for a second round and this has a chance and whatever. I'll put my notes in there for that. To, we're going to come back to that film and that film is now sort of moved on to the next round. And that's kind of how that process works. Or the opposite could be true. Judge walks, watches it. They give a certain score. I watch, you know, disagree with the score. This is even, this is, this is not going to be something that's going to be acceptable for our standards. It's not going to make the festival. Put a certain score in, note that. And at that point, that's sort of, it's got its second viewing and it's now essentially going to be you know, rejected. So if that makes sense. So that's kind of, that's how that, that can go. So usually there's a, a generally a lot of times a, a two viewing process is our goal. Now, sometimes it doesn't happen because the films score so poorly, uh, you know, that it, amongst all the films and the amount of films that are submitted, if it's that, that low of a score, quality isn't there, it's, it's not going to get a second viewing. Um, not likely. Um, outside of a double check of like myself or Theo or us checking and double checking the films. Um, because sometimes I've seen films where a, a review team person gave something a one and it was actually not a one, it was actually a 10. <laughs> because wow. of the drastic nature of the film that the judge was actually very... So I guess it's just say offended by it. <laughs> sure. Uh -huh. We thought it was actually incredible. And in the film actually ended up getting making the festival. So there was an opposite. So you have to double check scores, whether it's even very low or very high, just to make sure where the, the sort of head is at of the reviewer. So again, talk about the film for a festival. It fell under what we felt are our standards of what we're looking for. Um, you know, so now that was a drastic example because the film was a bit graphic in nature and, and very, yeah. We'll get into details on that, but, sure, <laughs> it was, sure. but it was a very interesting, fascinating film and very good. So, but that's, that's part of the process. You have to double check things because sometimes, you know, you don't want things to fall through the cracks and it, it's, it's not easy. Uh, it's not always possible. I mean, there's so many films and, and it's, it's a blessing that's great, but it is also difficult. But we do want to always sort of stay on top of all of it um, because, again, you can find those, those films that I, I would have been very disappointed if that film didn't make the festival. We felt really strongly about it. And, uh, and about the filmmaker and about the, the, the actual movie. So, you know, that's why you got to double check films and try to watch twice and not just watch once and just let it fall by the wayside. But again, it's not easy. Not, not all films can get that second viewing and, and third viewing at times. But that's the goal is to go through rounds and have films watched more than once. Because also there's how you feel when you watch the film. If you watch 50 films, are you tired? Or you're like, I'm over this. You don't want to judge based on being grumpy or not in a mood. That's not fair. You want to make sure that has another viewing. Say, okay, this looks really good. This has interesting elements. I like the story, but maybe it's a slow moving for my, my taste right now, but I'm also, you know, I've watched 40 movies or something. I'm tired. That's not something you want to judge on. That's not fair. You want to make sure, okay, let's put this aside. We watch it, assign to another judge, let them take a look and see if they agree with your scores. They like it better, they like it worse. What are their thoughts? Because again, we are a review team and the people that are reviewing that have gone through the process and are our folks. We trust their word. We trust, you know, th that they're going to obviously judge in our in our sort of style and way. So, yeah, at that point, we're comfortable passing it on and seeing what they think. But that's a big thing. It's like that's not also judged based on, you know, just mood of like, you know, how I'm feeling. You know, oh, I'm mad. I had a bad day, and I'm, I'm going to be harsh. Like that's, you know, it's human nature. You have to try to fight against not being 
impartial or in a bad place and just like judging based on that. Just because something's not maybe for you, it's not me that I'm not the person, I'm not the audience. I'm just someone who's trying to obviously judge based on what I think is fitting for the festival, but oh, I'm, that's not, interesting. I'm not the audience. Does that make sense? So it, it's, yeah. but it's, that's also a, you have to try to humble yourself that way, right? That's not normal way of watching something. If you like something, you're like, it's great. I, I hate something, you hate it, you hate it. There's a personal preference of things in life. We all have preference, but it's not always about the preference. It's about what is right for the audience, what is deserving of a spot, not based on what, you know, you know whatever was something I love so much personally just for me. You know, because it's not about just me. You know, you, does that make sense? You said something, Dan, that was really interesting. You said that the films are not programmed for you. I'm sorry, maybe I'm paraphrasing, but what what was it that you said? Yeah, well, just basically, it's when we're watching the films, I think what we have to try to accomplish, what I'm trying to accomplish, and it's always a challenge for anyone in our position, um, at least I think, is, when you know, we're not, I'm not, the movies aren't for me to enjoy. It's not as if I'm programmed for myself. It's not, I'm not the audience. The audience is the, the, the festival goers, not me. So if I'm just programming anything and everything I like, then it's just like, oh, it's just Daniel's festival. It's not about that. It's not about me and not about what I like. That's not the point of the festival. It's not a point of programming. That's, but that's a challenge, right? Because the idea is when you're watching something, you inherently, do you like it or not? You know, that's part of the process. So do you enjoy watching this? Do you like it or do you not? Is it's human nature to feel that way. If you watch it and you, you're like, oh, I hate this film. I don't like this. I don't like this about this. You don't like it or you're not enjoying it or it's not for you, you're gonna have a certain feel away about it. You're not gonna love a film and say, oh, this is not my, I don't like rom-coms, say, let's just make it. Okay, so say that's the case. And I'm watching a romantic comedy, we have a sort of subcategory where we screen a block of romantic comedy films. And I'm watching it and they're like, oh, I just, I hate rom-coms, I don't like this. And it's a great film, but I don't like it. That's not the point. I can't, I shouldn't, I can't, that's the wrong word. I shouldn't reject or score poorly based on the fact that I don't personally have a vested interest in that or like the film. That's not the point of what we're programming. The audience is going to judge that, and they're the ones watching the films. And we're programming for certain subcategories and categories for a competition and for an audience to see the films, whether it's drama or narrative or you know comedy, documentary, etc. It's not about hey, I really love this, so we're not going to show 400 films that are all just you know action adventure because I like that. Like that, that, that's stupid. That's not what we're doing. So you have to. I think the goal is that we're trying to not you know when we're watching films and reviewing not get too caught up in what just what we like and don't like as a personal preference. Now, that all said, of course it matters. If you love a film and think it was just fantastic and, and I personally enjoy it heavily, that is working in their favor. That is a good thing, not a bad thing, of course, right? I mean, naturally. But that also doesn't mean it's guaranteeing acceptance or I have to say, hey, this is in and done. No matter what anyone else says, then, then it becomes a sort of, we're not running a dictatorship or something. <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, it's, you have to, there's a, you know, a process in place and, you know, we have to all agree on certain things. And also there is a, a amount of films we're programming based on, again, genre, style and, you know, timing, daytime for family, nighttime for, you know, you know, adult type programming stuff, horror or whatever. So things like that. So there, there's a process in place and it's not just about, you know, oh, I, I hated this movie, so no, it's out because I just didn't like it. That's really, I think more so that's what matters more. Liking is one thing, if you love a film, Okay, has a chance of getting great, whatever. But the opposite side of not liking something, it, it can be unfair. That makes sense. Like to just say, I, I don't personally like this, so now I'm, what, I'm gonna score this low and reject this because I don't personally like it. That's, I, I think that's that's a challenge there and it's not fair. So you have to, you know, when we're watching, I think the goal, and I have to remind myself sometimes is that, okay, this is not, not everything's for me, but it's not supposed to be that way. That's not what it's about. It's not about just my taste. That's just That's just simply not what it's about. 
Did you always feel that way? Or was that a process that the three of you have developed over time? Because that's, that's an interesting concept to think about when it is your, you, it's your brand. Yeah. Well, you know, it is. But again, it, it's also, it, yeah, it's about the, because again, you're, you're trying to focus on different st- stories and styles of storytelling, but, but really about the, the quality of filmmaking. It's really, it's about that, not just about, again, the preference of personal taste. So that's always that challenge of, and I think we just kind of learn that over time. I mean, at least for me personally, uh, I can't really speak to everyone else's process and things, but I think for me, yeah, I think it's learning like anything else. It's trial and error and learning about, you know, because we've seen some films as well that we really loved or maybe it was a personal thing. And then we we see, okay, let's see how this plays in the audience. And we go and we're excited, get the popcorn, sit down and watch, you know, because we watch some occasional, we get to actually sit and enjoy some films here and there, not too often, but it's nice to sometimes be able to enjoy the fest as well and just sit down and watch something. And then you're taken aback by the reaction is not what you thought. You know, you're like, wait, not everyone likes this. Like we thought, you know, like, and you feel weird. Like, wait, no one actually responded the way I thought. And we're like, sometimes you don't want to be the only one laughing. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, that's so funny. You're like, no one else is laughing. No one else likes this. <laughs> but we're sitting here like, hey, so excited about this. And, you know, like then that's a weird thing. So now you can't ever get that 100% right. Uh, this is not an exact science. Uh, it's all subjective. Everything is. A movie can be, some people can think of, even a great movie, they someone could think it sucks is whatever it's never uh you know this is not universal um but you know you i think it's something we're trying to be cognizant of you, you want to at least be aware of and again back to like very important as far as the the, the rejection part don't want to just reject something based on, oh i didn't like this no I reject it I, I didn't personally enjoy this or i'm mad about this or you know that's just not fair so it's just something you have to try to i think we got to try to keep in mind have you ever had a filmmaker submit their film to Holly Shorts, have it be rejected, and then come back to you and say, you know what, you, you were right, it, it wasn't up to screening level. Yeah, that, that kind of, I don't, yeah, that really hasn't happened uh, that I can recall in the direct story now. And that's something I, I think is interesting. I think it should happen. I think, you know, there's various ways we can do things to help encourage people to come out. Like if, if again, if people follow up, like if you reject some rejection letters, people may not follow up or say anything. Quite frankly, we're not going to like chase them down to, hey, you should write back to me or give me a response to my rejecting. Obviously, we're not going to chase that down. Um, but many people respond with, hey, why did I not get in? Or some people send really nice emails or constructive criticism type emails like asking for information or whatever. Some people are angry sometimes. And, and of course, we're going to probably ignore that if it's really nasty and that kind of stuff. You get all types of responses. But what we'd like to see is more people respond with, hey, I like to have a, a more a thorough discussion. Why? Why didn't I get in or whatever? And we'll say, hey. Here's a discounted pass to screenings. Come to the festival and come check out the films yourself and see what you see. And we can compare and things like that, compare and contrast or, you know, and come up to us and talk to us about what you think. Or maybe you'll see, hey, maybe my film didn't live up to these standards and now I understand why. But that doesn't happen. It's very rare that that filmmakers will accept the pass or after that kind of email and actually come take the pass and come attend the festival and things. That does happen sometimes, not very often. But as far as the next step of like coming up, watching the films and actually having a conversation with us, I've never had that conversation with anyone. Like, just mm. come up, hey, you know, Daniel, I want to talk to you real quick. I saw the films. I, I came. You guys offered this pass to come check out some films. I didn't make it in, but I'm here to see, you know, and, and, and yeah, you know what? I understand, or I see these films, and I, 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 you know, I learned something about this and that, or whatever the case, or just I don't feel like my film was up to the par. That kind of thing, that's just never happened. And I think that should happen more often. Maybe they can come in and say, you know what? I don't get it. I still think my film's better. Fine. Well, we could have that conversation. And at least they'd be at the festival attending, watching other films, taking part. The acceptance of rejection doesn't mean you can't attend the festival and take part. You can still, anyone can buy a ticket regardless of in or not, or you're in the festival five years ago, you come back, you can come buy a ticket. It's general public. 
general festival audience to come see films and come see the festival and participate. And that should happen more often. I mean, they talk about it at some of the film schools. We talk about films that don't get in versus films that do get in. Some of the students, of course, being disappointed by classmates or whatever getting in, they don't get in. Why don't they come out? How come they don't come out and see the films as well? And also encourage that. You should be at the festival taking the films in to see what may may have not worked for your film or why. You know, understand what's out there, right? Like if, if I'm in those in that, that position, I want to know what's out there. I want to know why. What am I up against? What what was the reason I didn't get in? Like that's that's important information. That's something that should be chased down. It should be it should be knocking on our door to come to attend the screenings and come to the festival. Not, oh well, you know, screw you guys, you suck. You know, this idea that you know we suck and it's no one, uh, your fault, not mine, or something. And that's not the right mentality about it. And that's that's what I think is, is sort of a prevailing mentality is that it's never anyone else's fault, but the others are ours. And uh, not to say again, we you know we can get things wrong. I'm not sitting here trying to tout her horn or something, you know. But it's true that there is probably a, many times a reason why maybe the film didn't get in, and, and there's it'd be good, and it might behoove a filmmaker to say, you know what, let me go check these films out. Let me see what's going on here with this festival. Let me see what they're looking for. Let me see. Let me get a little more information, or even research all the festivals and know what you're submitting to and things like that. Like it, it's just part of the process that you should know. It shouldn't be something to just act blindly to, like, oh well. My film is amazing. My film, my work is the best, and I just believe in it wholeheartedly. So I don't care about anything else. I'm just submitting, and I should get in, and and uh, that's it because I'm great. Like, okay, well, that that's not that's not necessarily real life here. So like, you know, like it'd be good if people would actually take more initiative that way, and I'd be really happy and pleasantly surprised to have it more. It just doesn't. It's just you know, even offering the things like a pass discounts and stuff where people can encourage we can encourage them to come out and check it out and see what's what and see you know what other films are there and maybe they can see what did or didn't work or why they didn't get in you know that it's just not something that's that happens and it's just interesting because it should happen more often it doesn't it just it's just rare it's rare do you accept rough cuts yeah for submissions you do okay Mm -hmm. do you recommend that i mean i don't necessarily recommend it no no i don't but it also doesn't uh we had like i can think of a few off top of my head i have one right now like this one film last year that made it that was a rough cut when they submitted and it was a giant rough cut too because there was a whole element missing of a big part of the story with the visual effects that would have enhanced, like it made it much better when it was done. But knowing what was there and what was to come, I can see how great the story could be and the potential of the film was and I was really enjoying it. So I knew that, you know, of course I needed to see the final cut to see what that was because if the visual effects were hideous, then that kills the whole thing. But they were great and it was really good and it was fine. Oh, okay. But it's, I, I knew that was going to, like I had a feeling that was going to be very good. And I love the movie, so it still worked and, and ended up getting in. So that was a rough cut, and it was a big one in the sense that a big element of the story was just simply not even there at that time. Oh wow! Um, you know, it's hard to describe without getting into details of the story and stuff. But um, but yeah, so yes, so some rough cuts can still make it in, no problem. So it's not it's not some kind of detriment, but it can be if it's. I mean, how rough are we talking here? Like some films are they're pretty rough cuts. It's like okay, I can't even gauge how good this really is, and this I, as it stands, this cannot compete. So. I guess what I'm getting at is if it's if it's too much of a rough cut where there's still too many elements missing, it probably is best not to submit that. Um, just for a deadline especially. Because look, I mean, we have our deadlines, but okay, early bird. Okay, you might save $10, $15 or something if you submit later. Uh, or vice versa. I mean, if you submit early, you save some money. Later, you have to pay a, little, pay a little more. But I'd rather pay more money and have a, a final cut if I can and have a chance to get accepted in that way and have my best work forward instead of saying, well, I saved a few bucks, I'm going to submit that deadline i'm so eager to get the deadline in so if i give any advice like look don't worry about that spend the extra money it's we're talking not talking a hundred dollars here we're talking 15 bucks 10 bucks difference of a deadline wait get it ready 
and submit then instead of rushing for that deadline just to submit. It's better to submit the final cut if you can. What are the top three reasons a filmmaker will be rejected by a film festival? Well, I think one is, first thing, and something that I was thinking about this a little more, is at times something that's not even the fault of any filmmaker at all. It's uh, some festivals, and at times even we see it with ours, is there is a, you have a story you're telling that, that's, that's sort of redundant in the sense that it's a category that's very heavy in a certain area of like style of storytelling, right? So it could be sometimes dramas where there might be a certain type of story, sort of heavy family drama that might be sort of replicated by maybe 10 other films or even more that are telling some of the very similar story. Now, and that, if that happens, as, uh, as programmers, we're looking to program a diverse range of films. And are we going to show, you know, four, five, six of the same types of stories and films? And if we're only selecting 400 out of thousands of films, that's going to be hard to say yes to that. So sometimes it's no fault of anyone's. It's just more of a situation of percentages. Uh, you, and you're telling a story that might happen to be similar without getting into too many details of like specific story, like a, of an exact exact story. I'm not going to like retell a story, but you know what I mean? Like, like it, it just, it falls under something that, that you have, we're seeing in this whole submission pool, like identical stories essentially uh, sometimes even very identical to the point where if it's something if it's a work of um you know like uh you know if I, if i'm missing the, the exact verbiage here but like when a filmmaker takes a story that's uh like public domain and, and remakes a story whether it's stephen king short or something like that right and they tell that story you might see four submissions of the same exact movie which is kind of fascinating on our side we're like hey who did it better did it worse what worked they're all different movies but they're the same story so now you're seeing films they're literally the same story. So at that point, who's gonna make it? Are we gonna show all four of them, even if they're all great? I mean, you, it, it, hard to say yes to that. We're not gonna show the same movie over and over. Um, and we've had it happen where actually two films that are the same films huh. have actually made it in. <laughs> the two same stories, but different types of films we made. Different films made, but the same story. So that can't happen, that was rare, but it, it has happened. But most times it's not gonna, they're not gonna get in. Like it's hard to say, okay, which one, if they're all great, or maybe none of them get in, but what if one gets in, are we going to accept two more or another one, generally speaking, of the same story? Now, that's not something you can control as a filmmaker. How do you know you made a film? How do you know that someone else made the same film? How do you know they submitted the film? You wouldn't know that. So that's not something that you can actually control. So there's an element of uncontrollability with that. Then there's also the percentages. Uh, as I've mentioned, we've went from the early years, 23, 170, 500, 1,000, to now, you know, we're talking 5,000 plus submissions. Same amount of spots. We're not increasing the festival to 800 slots. We're not going 14, 15 days. We're 10 days. We're around 400 films that generally make it, give or take, uh, based on runtime and everything. And, you know, five programs a day. And this is, and also within that, we have different categories. So we have to fill in the blanks of what can fit based on genre, need, and style, and things like that. Uh, family films, evening type stuff, you know, different styles for different times and things. So now the percentages are shrinking. How many films can make it in? How many fit in that criteria of all these films? So that is already inherently a, a competitive situation. You're talking five to maybe 10% of all submissions that will generally ex essentially get accepted. So now inherently that's already, we're saying potentially 90% may not even make it. And I'm not even talking about scores, I'm talking about anything else aside of just the numbers there. So then that's already, again, an, an inherent honest portrayal of the, the competitive nature. So there's that. So then now outside of all that, then we get into, okay, now what's wrong? Then the next step is, the next thing we're looking at, of course, is any of the potential f flaws, whether it's technical stuff. 
technical issues that are, you know, whether it's just the obvious things of poor jump cuts or, you know, obviously boom, mic and shots, these kind of obvious things. Any of those things, that's it. That's like a sort of automatic uh, rejection of sorts. Basically, you're eliminating yourself in that sense just because of those, those errors or edits or issues. Um, so there's that. And then you get into, okay, how's the acting? How's the, the storytelling? How's the writing? How's the cinematography? All the technical aspects of the film? You know, if, if, if some of those are okay and some of them are really poor, you're going to have a lower score. You're just going to get rejected. It's not going to make it. Um, you know, and again, that's the standard based on we're talking our festival at this time. I don't know. Other festivals have less submissions. Maybe there's more slots or different things that they have going on. But when you look at that, that aspect of it, those are, there's some of those elements that are, for us, it's sort of, it can, it can make it sort of automatic. Uh, you're sort of rejecting yourself in some sense. If there's some of those areas are, are flawed, and then of course, the technical stuff is off, those things are sort of automatic. Then you get into, after all that, you know, what are we looking to program? How is the storytelling? Is it unique? That's a big thing. Like we're looking for at times, watching so many films and our review team and myself watching so many films, it, it's always exciting and something that's something that's desirable that, you know, that a film and a story is very, you know, whether it's outside the box or just unique or different, um, stands out in a big way. You know, now that can be a lot of things, whether it's just very, whether it's very graphic or whatever, or whatever it's, if it's just something unique style of storytelling or visually very different or whatever that may mean. Um, but that, that's a big deal because that's going to, you're looking at all these films and if something just sort of rises to the top because you're like, wait, this, I've never seen this before. This is something that's very unique and we've never seen it before. We've seen all of these films. That's something that's obviously going to weigh on our minds. We're not going to forget that. So I guess we're long in the way of saying, just try not to be forgettable. Be unforgettable. Make it, make it something that's just like, wows everyone watching. That, that you walk away saying, well, I, I can't believe that film or that was amazing. Because, you know, uh, there are many stories that, that are, I guess, playing it safe. You know, where the, the filmmaker, storyteller is not really trying to push boundaries or not trying to, you know, uh, not trying to do something different. They want to make, maybe it's just in the, in the filmmaking style. You know, maybe there's a lot of two shots, not trying to get into any, any too much. Now, I know there's budget restraints and things, of course, but within that, you have to be creative and show your style. If it's not, how is that going to stand out amongst the whole crowd of all these films? If you don't, your chances of being accepted at that point become very, very, very low. It just, it just the numbers game is there. It's, it's very difficult. So, yeah, I think it's a that's a without talking technical stuff. The big thing is when films are too, for lack of a better word, I guess vanilla. You're kind of shooting yourself in the foot. For us, at least, that's just definitely we've seen so many films. If nothing stands out about it. How is it going to be uh, unforgettable for us? If it's not unforgettable, then we're just we're probably just going to forget it, in a, in a sense, right? So that's 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 important. Do you think people are taking less risk or more risk in terms of the storytelling aspect, pushing boundaries, sort of being these like agent provocateurs, like putting stuff out there that's like whoa, and some people are going to be really offended by it? Or do you think it's it's less so? Have we become think, so sensitive? Yeah. Well, that's always a. Are we too PC? Yeah, uh, maybe. I mean, well, I don't know. We, yeah, it's tough to say because I, I, I see a lot of stuff that's not. So I'd say no then. But then at the same time, there is a lot of, we are also living in this new age of sort of being checked online, PC culture, like don't say this, don't say that, don't do this. And it's just this this sort of, of course, we know there's like this online battle going on with all this stuff, whether it's cyberbullying or just people just sort of mob mentality of jumping on people for certain things. You say the wrong thing and it's forget about it and stuff like that. So um, that doesn't really, I, I still think that, that doesn't play much into the films. I think people are trying to really, push boundaries, tell really great stories and 
and share what they believe in and, and also show their vision and style. Because again, this is also goes back to the beginning of what it is. Schwartz always were and still are uh, at some degree, of course, a calling card. You're trying to say, hey, look at me world. This is what I do. This is what I can do. This is my ability. I'm showing you this in what, you know, what uh, restraints I'm up against. This is how much money I have. This is what I can do within this, 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 this restraint, right? Like, hey, I only got 10 grand. This is what I got to make with it. And I can, I can make a kick-ass film. Okay, well, that's what you're trying to do. So if you're trying to do that, you're not, I mean, you're making a, uh, you know, a seven-minute, you know, short that's just, you know, uh, I don't know, it's a drama that we've seen before, retold a certain story that's been done many times by many filmmakers and there's nothing original to it and there's no new touch to it or anything else. It's like, you're not going to see many acceptances at that point. You know, it's like, it's going to, so you really want to see people take a chance, whether it's just something that's provocative or something that's adventurous or just out there, or if it is political or something that's trying to make a stance or a stand or just, you know, make a big, strong point, you still got to, you got to try to show that voice. You got to try to do it, you know? And, and yeah, yeah. I mean, all that said though, some people do just want to make the film they want to make. You have to make your film. You can't try to make something and try to be someone you're not. So there's always that it was always is that but it's how you tell even the symbols of stories how well you do it visually and how it's how you showcase your abilities is what it's about because we're trying to showcase what we feel are the best films in the world that's the goal that's the idea so if it doesn't fall under that or doesn't feel like that it belongs in that or it's that exciting then why are we gonna put all of our chips on it and really push it all forward and say this is what we have to showcase this has to be accepted and these other ones have to get rejected you take that place of all the other films yeah. It's like you almost have to like you convince us, like make us say why, like convince us. So that's that's you know that's part of it. Yeah, there was one film that I I just I can still see it to this day as it was about a woman who had been raped and she ended up having a child and she loved that child and the child finds out that it's a a product of rape. But I mean that that film was unbelievable and I realized that some people will be very scared to do that, yeah. especially in today. But I mean to me, I thought that was an amazing. I know you guys have shown some very, yeah. you know, things that really push boundary, but but there there's reasons for that, and and they're really amazing. So I, yeah, no, and it's yeah. also for us has been a joy of like we we're in a position with this, as, and I've said it before, where we can we have the opportunity to dictate what we want to do with the festival, with the style, with with every the parties, events, whatever part of the plan of the event or whatever we show, whatever gets screened, it's is exciting to have obviously a say in something in this world right where we can say this is what yeah. we feel is the best way to do this is how we and we believe in this and we can do that so with that we obviously have opportunity and and uh, and also responsibility to try to do the best we can with it mm-hmm. and if we're giving a stamp of approval we're sort of trying to be as many festivals believe to be gatekeepers you're saying this is what we need to show you as an audience this is what you need to pay attention to hollywood look at these filmmakers and these films because this is what, what we believe are the best the best this is what we believe you need to look at this is the film these are the films you need to pay attention to that's what we're doing. You're shining a light on these films. That's the, obviously what we're doing. You're saying these ones, come take a look at these. These other ones didn't quite make it for various reasons or whatever, but these are the ones we believe in strongly that you have to obviously come see these movies. So, you know, that's a responsibility that we also have to take serious, not just throw up anything on screen just because we, you know, feel like we owe someone something or something. That's just not, you know, that's not what that's about. But, you know, I think when the the, the more films and filmmakers are pushing those boundaries. Well, a lot of festivals are, are doing like Sundance and they, they program a lot of stuff that you'll see over the years has, has also pushed boundaries, been mm-hmm. very uh, you know unique and aggressive in their storytelling, their styles, and, and not pulling back or holding back for fear of what people react to or what they'd say. You know, that's, um, you know, especially if it's something that's a voice, you wanna really share what you have to say and you believe in. 
it doesn't make sense to just to be restrained or pull back just based on fear of reaction or what people might think of you or something that's not going to work and if you do that your 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 chances of being accepted at many festivals or any are very low at that point so it's you know yes you got to tell a story you got to tell but that's also means if it is more of a, a film that doesn't require that kind of if it's not a provocative story or things like that it can be more of a simple kids film or something that's fine but if it's the opposite and it's supposed to be right. this very provocative story and things don't also pull the curtain back or pull back a bit you know like it's I'm trying to think of a quote that um I uh, saw recently that it was dealing with that same subject of like, you know, when it came to a film that was very, it was, it was retelling a war story and they were saying there was responsibility to not, you know, pull back on how aggressive and awful that is. Cause if you're not showing what that really is, then you're doing that disservice. The people think, Oh, this is okay. This is, this is not that bad. You know, you can't walk away feeling that way. That's not what we should be portraying as a situation or showing what it means to be in war. War is violent, awful and terrible and sad. To make that feel like it's not, you know, that's a disservice. So that's something that I think people should really keep in mind. And that's something I've always kind of thought of when I think back to that quote. And forgive, I, I can't actually remember the exact quote. And exactly, so I'm paraphrasing someone of something I saw recently. And I remember and it stuck with me in a documentary I was watching. And it was, it's very important to, to, to show how, how awful things like that can be. And, and if you're telling that story, not tell it in a PC way. You know, to make sure it, it is what it's supposed to be and it is also aggressive and things like that or, or whether it is violent or, or sad or depressing and not make it less depressing. You mentioned the thing about rape and then, like, don't make that be something that's, like, not awful or sad. Like, make it feel like it's just okay or just something. That's, then, that's just doing total disservice to anyone who's ever been a victim of anything. Like, that's, you know, that's very important to not have that be the case. And so, yeah, right. I guess long-winded answer is basically, yeah, just make sure to... You guys go all the way. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and, and the filmmakers spoke afterwards, and, you know, they, they gave a very, um, I won't go into too much. Hopefully we can put a link to it um, in this video um, below. But, I mean, it was, it was amazingly done, and, and they talked about it, and I remember I just went up to the filmmaker afterward and just, you know, thanked them because it was just, it was an incredible story. And although they were trying to show that this, this mother loved this child, um, you know, they had to go to certain places that, might make certain people a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah, but, and challenging yeah. for those actors and for everyone mm -hmm. involved in the project. And that's right. But that's you know anything we're telling is, is you know it, it's needs to be that. And that's it's exciting when you see that. It's, for us, it's exciting. We're like, well, wait, wow, we have a chance to actually show this and let this story be told and give it sort of a life. Uh, if it's a world premiere, like, well, we get to show this for the first time. Like, an audience can see this now, and this is the work they've put in and the chances they've taken, and now we get to showcase that. That's you know that's pretty cool. So that's yeah, that's obviously something that we're, we're able to this do here. This is this is part of the, the blessing of being able to do this this work is is showcase films like that. You know, and give them their chance or their their or this their first chance or their only chance or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, or if you've shown the movie twenty times already and we're like the twenty first screening, okay, it's great, but we're getting a chance to show it to our audience and another audience can see it again, and that's that's awesome. So that's something we obviously don't take for granted. Should a filmmaker ever stop submitting to festivals? Um, I'd say maybe, I'd say maybe, I mean, it really depends on what their, their goals are for their films or their film. Um, you know, obviously on one hand, I'm going to say, uh, no, you know, I mean, I'm a, we're a festival, so we're, yeah, obviously, sure. you know, submissions are a big part of lifeblood of a festival. We obviously rely upon that. We need the, A, we need the films to compete against each other. We need to see the best of the best. We need to receive them. If we don't receive them, we have no festival. And B, of course, a portion of the budget of the festival is revenue from sales, revenue from sponsorship, advertising, ticket sales, and, and submissions. So um, it's obviously part of what needs to be there so we can obviously 
keep the lights on or whatever, so to speak. So it's important. But same time, not every film is meant to be in festivals. So, you know, there is stuff made where there's just more of something that's more, maybe it's something comedic for the web or something. It's not really a festival type film where it's going to compete for big prizes or maybe try to be an Oscar nominated film. So there, there's some examples where you might argue like, look, maybe it's not best for you to submit to festivals or just to not submit so many blindly, just like looking at, hey, there's a cool festival we submit, understand what you're submitting to. That's more big, that's a bigger part of it. Knowing what festivals look for what kind of films. Do the said festival like your comedy or do they never show comedies and they only show narrative dramatic films and they only show maybe, you know, a festival that's all about horror and they don't want comedy and then or whatever, like that kind of thing. If you didn't know that or don't pay attention to that and just kind of submit to everything just because, hey, look at these cool names or I know these festivals or I like them or I've been to it and it was cool, let me just submit my film. But not understanding what your chances are at that point, then yeah, you're, you're essentially just sort of handing your money over to the festival, letting them watch it. Maybe they think it's cool, but it doesn't fit their thing. You know, we now have the Hollywood Comedy Shorts Festival that we started four years ago. It's our sister festival. It's comedy. And we see submissions that come in that are literally not funny. Not, not saying not good comedy, not like not funny. Not funny as in they're just straight dramatic narrative films or dramas so we can't we're like okay you submitted to our festival but we're we're not the number of not just one or two films just a bunch of films and we're surprised we're like wait I, so okay and sometimes i even flag them and say look well, maybe we'll show this in a monthly separately and then have a different conversation with them because this is a good film but this is simply does not fit this festival at all like we're looking for, the name is comedy we're looking for various kind of comedies but we're looking for comedy and if there's not one joke or comedic element to the film at all it's how we it's not getting in i mean we, we're not looking for those kind of films right so then they just submitted to a festival not even paying attention and if you do that then you're just wasting time and money then at that point so there is something to be said for making sure you pay more attention to where you're submitting research the festivals understand what the festival looks for you know you could look over their program guides some of them are online you know holly schwartz's our guides are on isu.com so you can find them on these these websites on our website we, we've also put the links them. so we have them on there so you can see the programs from the past five years hey let me look at 2015 16 17, like what have they been programming but yeah i get it I, I get it that takes more time who has time for all that right but if it's something you're obviously taking serious here there is time to be, be made for this this is important to research this stuff to pay attention to what films play where what kind of films they like, don't like. Again, some festivals just don't like certain kind of films, but that doesn't mean they're not taking your submission. That's the thing. Obviously the comedy festival, they came in, they submitted. We don't control what comes our way and gets submitted. The link's there, people can go to Film Freeway and submit the film. So if you submit your film incorrectly, that way we're not watching the film now and saying, okay, well, we're gonna just hand you your submission back, give, you, give your money back. No, that's not happening. We've watched the film, done the work, and you submit it, and you try to compete, and it's not the right place. So if you're doing that, that's just, on, on the filmmaker's part, that's just sort of, I guess, essentially wasting their own money and irresponsible. Like, you got to know what you're looking for, what goals you have for your film. Where do you want it to be? What kind of festivals? What cities do you want to play in? What cities do you think are not pointless to play in? What if you think, you know, I don't really want to play in this city because I don't really care. I don't want to go there. I don't know. Whatever. Like, there's different reasons for submitting to different festivals, different places. And... So I think that's a bigger part of it. I mean, there is the opposite end of that where, again, some films are just not meant for festivals, perhaps, and it's not something that's meant to be submitted to festivals, then fine. It, then you shouldn't submit at all and just say, okay, this film is only meant to be online to share with some friends or just post online because it's some little silly thing and I only made it for a few minutes with no money. You know, I don't know, something like that. Um, but if, if it's something that you are, of course, taking serious, you want to get an audience and showcase and build your film up and build your career up, then yeah, I do believe in festivals. I think, yes, you should be submitting to festivals. So I guess it really depends on the film. 
Well, then on the flip side, how does a filmmaker know that it's time to submit to a festival? Like suppose they have something that they've worked on and they feel that it's ready. How do they know it's ready? Well, again, you know, that would go back to what we talked about earlier is not just about researching the festivals, but going to the festivals. Because you'd also be surprised at how many filmmakers are just starting off there, maybe submitting to festivals and actually never really gone to any festivals. And it's like, okay, you've never been to the festivals, maybe you've never been to ours or some other festivals you're submitting to. Um, and some of that, of course, obvious reasons. If you live in Los Angeles, maybe you're not going to go to uh, DC for DC Shorts or maybe you've never been to New York City, so you've never been to Tribeca or whatever. You know, like that, okay, that's obvious. But still, you should attend whatever festivals are in your area. So if you do live in Los Angeles, there's a ton of, of course, festivals in Los Angeles to attend, ours and others. And, uh, and there's also Southern California. So you have San Diego, you have San Francisco. I mean, you can go to festivals in other places in Las Vegas. So, you know, attend the festival, see what's out there, see what a festival film might look like. You go to these festivals, say, hey, my film is much better than these films I'm seeing at all these festivals. Okay, I feel like my film holds up against this. So I'm gonna to submit to these festivals. I think it could play here and I think it's, it's better than these films. Okay, good. If you have no idea, never seen the trailers, never seen the festival trailer, never seen photos of the festival, never seen the lineup of the films, how do you know your film fits any of that? I mean, I guess, again, granted, some films are just a certain level of caliber of production, a lot of money spent, time, effort. It's just if the film walks, you walk away, you watch, you're like, I feel really good about my film. This is a great film. I feel really confident. Yeah, you can just submit so much of that. That's fine. But I mean, not every film fits all the festivals and maybe that, you know, maybe even after the production is done, you know, you haven't looked at other fests and seen what's out there. You also have never done it before. Maybe the film doesn't hold up as much as you think. And of course, sometimes every person making any films, we've all produced made films, feels better about their film than maybe the film is you know there's always a sort of a confidence of like you know your, your film's the best ever, you know of course so so there is an element of how do we tell ourselves the truth and things like that but you know it, it's so it is hard to say but i think it, it, there's a process in place where you can just at least research the festivals more attend more festivals to be there and see in person what's playing at the festivals because many of them you can't see the films online perhaps so you only can see them in person at the festival so see the films go to the festival check it out vibe these things out and see then you'll know, okay, my film compares to this, or my film doesn't compare to this. Maybe you, you be realistic and understand that the film doesn't fit the mold of what the festivals are looking for, what you're seeing. Because we see people at our screenings all the time. They come out, they talk to us like, wow, it's very inspired by these films. These films, the quality's great. I didn't know what to expect. I wasn't blown away by this. These films are really good. You know, I, now I understand what this is like, or this kind of thing. Like, you know, like they, they get an understanding after seeing films and seeing a few blocks of appreciation that it, if they didn't go, they'd have no idea. So, you know, by doing that, they could have a better understanding of maybe my film is up for this and maybe my film is not. I need to submit elsewhere or try to do this instead or maybe make a different film or maybe hold off on this one or, you know, things like that. So it's just, I think, attending the festivals is, of course, a big way of understanding that. Maybe I'm in the dark here, but do we hear as much about web series as before? I feel like we don't hear as much about web series. Um, well, no, I think, I, think we still, I think we still do. I think there's... Yeah, I mean, well, it, uh, the, the, the general term of web series is kind of, I guess, too broad, right? Because what, what is that? Is it just something that's a continuous series you make and post online and it's on YouTube or maybe on potentially on a Vimeo or these other platforms? Or is it that? Or are we talking what YouTube Red's done where YouTube, is Red, YouTube Red is now obviously producing content and making their own series? So they are actual, you know, are they just actual series? Are they web series because they're on YouTube but they're for pay? And they're, you know, of course, of bigger budget and... You know, now you're having some name recognition people and big talent, you know, attached to these projects. So is that also a web series? So I guess what are we defining as web series has grown so much from when it was just, you know, independent filmmakers really trying to make a name for themselves, make their own series and get a following. 
where you still see a lot of that and some of it works really well and they have a following built up and obviously you're doing episodic so you have to come back the hookability of like all right i want to come back and see the next episodes you have to wait for it and that kind of thing um you know that's like a normal traditional thing but a lot of that's changed now now you also have streaming with netflix and everyone where their shows are saying okay well we're just dumping the show the whole thing and binge it and watch all 13 episodes and it's on you know february 5th and it's on and instead of the traditional way of hey come back for more come every week weekly maybe daily or whatever that web series might be or whatever the series is doing hbo every week game of thrones every week you know netflix and them are just whoever just dump it on there and you can just binge it and see everything right then and there when it's airing that's different that's a different thing that's changed that's changed things as well but i still think there's there's a big audience for web series i think especially when it comes to what is a younger audience looking for that sort of young adult audience they like this stuff but you know again it has to match their needs and desires of what they're looking for you know what kind of comedy what kind of writing what kind of actors and cast you know the, the things they're looking for it, it that fit them so you know you're seeing stuff serving them and i think some of what youtube is doing with that is focusing on that younger audience trying to hook them into to watching this content um you know and those are those are name talent and people that, that they like so it's not something that relates to me I, when i see some of these things and you know, I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I don't, but I'm not really into those, those things that they're putting out. I don't like those shows. That's not something that's going to attract me as, you know, coming up on his forties as a male, not like a 16 year old teenage girl. Like they're looking for this stuff. It's a different audience there, but you know, it's being serviced. So the content's being made for them. And so we're seeing a lot of stuff that's still on web. And, and for us, submission wise, we're still seeing a ton of web series submitted a ton. A lot of web series come in. There's a lot of TV pilots and stuff. They're obviously trying to also go the TV route now because you can pitch to networks and you can pitch to streaming, you know, streamers and stuff. There's, there's, there's a new need and desire for TV content and, and it's episodic that way. So you're seeing pilots made for that. But web series is still very healthy as far as the submission for us is what we see as far as what's coming our way. Um, and I still see there's, there's, a, there's a ton of them. Now, how good they are, how popular they are, that's something that's still, I guess, in question as far as the popularity or, you know, how, how many views they're getting and this kind of thing. But we see some that are really awesome that have no views and no, no real following, but they're fantastic. And some that are have a huge following that are kind of silly, honestly, <laughs> or I don't think very good or don't make it because they're not, they're just not strong enough, the content of the story or just the acting. We just find that some of it's not really for the festival, um, but they have a big following. So hard to say, but uh, there's still a ton being made. So it's still something that I think is very, very prevalent. Do you think YouTubers are as apt to submit to your festival as just what would be a regular quote-unquote filmmaker? You know, I know there's a lot of controversy over, oh, well, you know, a YouTuber is not a filmmaker, which I don't necessarily agree with, but yeah. um, do you think some of these more named uh, YouTubers or people with a larger YouTube following are willing to submit to a festival versus someone who's like, no, I'm an auteur, I'm a filmmaker? Yeah. Well, a little bit, again, a little bit of both, because for us, we have the actual categories. So since we are covering web series and TV with categories, we were able to actually accept those submissions and see them come, come our way. But that said, still a lot of, if you could say YouTubers are people that are maybe extremely famous or built their brand up strictly on the YouTube, sort of with their subscription channels or with their own platform and that kind of thing on YouTube. Or, you know, we don't see as many of those, you know, whether it's I'm trying to find the right, like, you know, especially going back to the young audience, like talking teenagers, there's, just, there's a certain like influencers, right? That's the word, the influencers. Some of these influencers, we're not seeing as many of them submit, quite honestly. So I guess there is a, I guess a disconnect to some way. There's some of them do. We have had some, and we've screened some. We've had some at our festival before. So there are some, but as a whole, like it's not a heavy majority. Not like all of them are coming our way or submitting to festivals or submitting to our festival. So there is a sort of 
uh, I guess there is a, I don't know, that's not really the right word, disconnect, but there is definitely, um, you see there's a, a sort of difference as far as who's submitting to festivals and, and what their goals are. I suppose they feel if you are, I guess, a quote-unquote influencer, maybe that means you have millions of followers or something and you're making, you know, quick hitting web series content or like stuff that's kind of good for Snapchat and that kind of stuff. Like, is that something that's going to fit for the festival? They probably look at it like probably not. And maybe they're even probably right. You know, but they also have a huge following and they become famous and they're all right. You know, so where does that lie for the, for the festivals? I don't know. For us, it's definitely, it's kind of, there is a, uh, I guess a disconnect there. It's not something that we're seeing a ton of. Um, you know, maybe that's something to explore as far as a category for them or an area of another festival or maybe there's a festival to be had. <laughs> just covering the sort of that area, like a festival just for, you know, that sort of elk of uh a YouTuber or a filmmaker that's, that's that's got a big following that way. You know, I don't know. We don't personally put any judgment. I don't, for us, I don't feel like we care if you're an influencer or not, big following, no following. We're trying to just strictly look at, is this good or not? Is this fit the mold that we're looking for for the web series categories is good for said categories? And that's it. That's what that's the goal. And if it is, then great. And if it is not, which some of it isn't, because I've seen some of this stuff. And some of the stuff is like, I, I, I don't know. I, I just not for us. It's not for me. It's not... It doesn't. It wouldn't fit a, an exhibition screening of like, you know, a festival. It just doesn't, you know, whether it's just a few seconds or it's 10, 20 second little sort of cutaway clips and it's like a bunch of episodes where it's like silly punchline jokes and stuff doesn't really have any production value at all. And, you know, like that's, but people love them and they have this huge following. Not to name names, so I won't specify anyone, but, you know, I just, it's, it doesn't maybe fit. So, you know, yeah. Well, you mentioned, you know, influencers or, or people that are famous. So in selecting films, how important is uh, the celebrity factor? I mean, do, do you think maybe it was more important before and less so now because there's yeah. so much great content? Yeah, kind of, kind of. I mean, it's, it's always going to mean something to any festival or event. You can't sit here and lie and say it means nothing. Like people will say that, that's just a flat out lie. It, it can't be that, right? Because you're a festival, you're an event. You also, part of that is trying to draw an audience and, obviously make a name for the said festival or events and you know some of these names can be a big draw would it matter does it not matter if not just throwing it say denzel washington's in a short does denzel washington not matter come on we can't sit here and say that doesn't matter right, right. if that's the case you're gonna there's an element of excitement to that potentially sure that also means probably that if he's doing something like that it's going to be good the odds of someone like him doing something that's just bad that, that, that'd be very surprising. So there is that part of it too. So some people say, oh, it's just celebrities, this is why I got in, or this kind of thing when you see celebrity. Well, no, I mean, you know, that said celebrity's not doing just anything and they're not gonna do something that's, that's awful. You know, like there's gonna be a quality to that. They're probably gonna have a certain money behind it. They're probably gonna have a great crew behind it. The director probably knows what he's doing because he's worked on other things with them or something. So there's gonna be a certain, I guess, level up advantage to that. Um, so you'll find that. So then, then I guess their chances are increasing. Now, that said, if we had a film last year, that I won't, again, name any names, but number of, of celebrities, number of talent. It was awful. Awful, awful, awful. And I, I had to pass it around. I was like, look, we have to, I'm, I'm not alone in this, right? We're all like, wow, what happened here? Now we're wondering who bribed who? How did someone do this movie? Why did they do the movie? We're wondering what is going on here that made them actually choose? Because it was, it, it's just, it, I just can't, it was bad. Sure, that's it was fine. just yeah. really bad. It was very poorly made across the board. Lazy, poor cinematography, poor editing acting was a silly and even though said actors were very good they're also giving poor performance so there was just an element of laziness even contradicting what i just said i just said how you know usually they're going to see a certain talent do some something really good and they're going to work on something only because that 
you know, they believe in it, right? And they're good and they're talented and they know what they're doing because they're smart and they're, they're huge stars. In this case, it was the opposite. It was like, what is going on here? Why are they doing this? Like, I don't understand. At a point where I almost want to just email and call everyone, like, hey, what happened here? Like, what, what's the story? I need a backstory to this because how could you possibly get these people to do this? Because it was like, so obviously it was an easy rejection. It was rejected. There's no way we can, we can't screen something like that just because some, some names are in it. Like, doesn't, there are other films now with names and people who are recognizable in all types of films and content, and short web series and short series and in the films. It's just the nature of it now because we've seen more people make shorts and the shorts space has grown, which is great for us. So now we're seeing more talented people involved in the films, whether it's an, an actor from a TV show or you know, someone from Game of Thrones that does a short or they want to produce their own film and direct the film and they're starring in it and they're doing a short. And then you have, you know, another big actor that wants to direct and write and star in something and, you know, or they just believe in a project and want to produce it. I mean, you're seeing all types of involvement from celebrities now, more so than it was before. When it was early on, it was like, whoa, this person's doing this? Wow. It was like, it was a certain, it was a wow factor to that. And it was something you got excited about. And that, that couldn't have hurt them, obviously. It was, it was something that probably helped to get accepted in those kind of things. You saw that. But now that part, but also coupled with, we are now a bigger festival. We believe in what we're doing. We believe that the work is stand out. It's competitive. So there's more level playing field. The competition and the quality is going to stand out. It's not just like, oh, well, we need this named person to attend, so we got to put it in. That mentality, we're not some growing festival where we just started where we're like, we're like starving for attention kind of thing. We don't need that that way. So we're not going to just bend over backwards just to do that just for talent just because. Like, so there is a part of us, our growth has helped us to sort of negate that. So I think that's part of it too. I think that there, there definitely is a sort of difference of playing field now with that. Like, as opposed to 15 years ago to now, you tell me year one, we, that wouldn't matter to have a star talent in our festival. We had 23 movies in two days and it was like some of those movies would never make it now. <laughs> like, of course it's different, it wouldn't matter. But you go back, you fast forward 15 years, now the amount of films we see, the amount of films that come through our, our way, our doors, you know, it's, it's it definitely more competitive now to where it's not just where just because someone's in a film that's going to get a pass or something now. It's uh, definitely, you know, more competitive that way. So Dan, we know that you love sports and let's say you had five minutes to sit down with a short filmmaker before they make their short film and you're their coach. What are you going to coach them on? What are you going to say to them? They haven't made it yet. Maybe they're ready to go. They might have a script. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is, is, is going back to its belief, belief in what you're, the story you're trying to tell, belief in the subject matter. Um, you know, and I say that in the sense of you, you can't, anything you do, whether it's this festival, if you are in sports, if you, you know, are, say you are a basketball coach, and, but you don't love basketball, how are you going to put the passion and energy into actually doing it well and, and succeeding? You can't. You're not, you're going to fail. You will lose. You will fail. Same with a story or a film. You want to get together and make a film with a group of people and you have to rally up grips, DP, their crew, PAs, assistants to follow you and help in any way you need, actors to say, okay, I'm going to emotionally give to you and I'm not ready to do this because you don't seem that interested or that vested in this or you don't believe in the story or you don't know anything about the story. So that's why I go back to also when I said earlier, like you have to to tell the story you know, like tell the story you know that you can tell, that you can make. Don't like try to do something you're not that, that's not familiar to you just because you think, oh, it's Daniel said this is what you have to do. This is how you get into a festival. You make it this way. Or some festival programmer said, yeah, but if your film has to be great and, and inherently good anyway, it doesn't matter about genre or style or whatever. It's also the film has to just be good. And a good film comes from someone who believes in their story and is passionate about the story they make. Any film that's won our festival and won awards, they're not films that were just made with like blase effort. This is not happening. These films were dedication, hours spent, money lost, 
and you know a belief in the story also understanding the story they're trying to tell because they have a grasp on it they're really passionate about what they wrote many times the filmmakers in the short space are a lot of times not every time of course not but a lot of times it is a writer director you know that's the same person right um so if you wrote the script you know the material you should know it well if you didn't write it then you believe in it strongly that you say hey i want to team up with you and i want to make this film and i can direct your, your writing i can direct your story you know but you have to have that that, that passion and belief because if you don't have that you're just going to fail the film won't be good there'll be areas where it'll falter uh people will know that you know they're not you're not someone to follow because if you're directing a group of people the same way you're managing someone or coaching or all those areas if if you're talking to your the players and they know you're talking out of your ass and you don't believe what you're saying and you're giving a half-ass effort they know it they sense it they're not going to fight for you they're not going to play hard for you they're not going to care same way as in crew and actors if you, you want someone to give you their all as an actor especially with the actors they're passionate they're trying to give themselves to you. They're, whether it's emotional stuff, whether it's a breakdown scene or, you know, it's a fight scene and it's a couple arguing and they're, they're you know, they're having a real issue time and they're a married couple in the movie. They're two actors. They're not married. They're actors. They have to, you have to believe that they're, they're that there's a married couple and they're fighting. And they got to get it out of, you got to get it out of them. And how do you do that if they don't like you at all or they don't believe in what you're trying to do or how you're trying to direct them or the story you're trying to tell or just how you operate? Like if you don't really... They don't feel your belief and passion for what the story is and the movie being made they're just going to give a half-ass effort and it's not going to be good and or they're going to want to get out of there and just knock the lines out and go home because like you know i'm done with this project i don't care or this is not for me or this is not good enough for me or whatever whatever and just get it over with so that, i think that's a big thing it's really and it sounds simple and obvious but it's not always the case a lot of people in life do a lot of things half-ass or don't believe in what they're doing or or think they do but don't really or they in this case when it comes to storytelling Maybe they just want to try to impress and, and make a story that's not their own or not something that they believe in because they don't know the material well enough or they don't understand the nature of what they're trying to tell with that story. Then it probably end up showing. You know, it'll see whether it's even a writing flaw or if it is a story about going back to the analogy of sports, right? What if it's a basketball story and, and it makes no sense in terms of a basketball setting? Like the writers understand basketball, doesn't like basketball, but they want to make a basketball movie because someone told them to do it or something. And it's going to show that they don't know what the heck they're talking about. The story won't make sense. Now, as a viewer watching the movie, you're like, oh, you're watching a scene of a basketball game and the score makes no sense. And it's not really making any sense to what a, an actual sporting event would be like, right? Like if, you know, like it wouldn't make sense. Then all of a sudden you're like, this is stupid. This is a bad movie. And they don't even understand the story they're trying to tell. They don't even know the sport. Like, you know, if you're using analogies for baseball that are meant for basketball, like things like that, like keeping it in the basketball and the, the sports in the sports sense or the sports uh, realm. So, yeah, you know, really knowing and loving what you're trying to do with the project is like first and foremost is critical it's the must and you'll see it reflect and i go back to the winners because if you're winning the festival our festival others getting nominated for oscars those films aren't made you know with with like a lack of passion or effort or belief in the story none of those filmmakers have made those stories have gone that far made these films you know just on some casual whim let's just make this thing uh you know shoot it one day knock it out and just cram and who cares about detail it's not that it's made with dedication, passion, time, passion, time, and effort, all those things, not to mention, of course, talent and other things. You have to have that. So that's, I think, the biggest thing. How does someone get into a film festival? Well, it's uh, obviously a, a big sweeping statement. <laughs> like, you know, there's a lot of ways, um, you know, one of because it's back to what we talked about, you know, previously is, is you know, obviously any film festival, I, most, uh, of course, there are festivals like anything else. There's good things, bad things. There's good festivals, bad festivals. But as a whole, 
you know, you're looking to serve a certain audience and you're looking to showcase good films. I mean, that's just the bottom line. So that sort of is one answer that's already being served, right? I mean, we're just saying, if the film's not good, you're not getting in. So there's the obvious part of that. I know what that means is subjective, good or bad. Um, but within that, there's things like, of course, people talk a lot about runtime. Right, for us, for shorts, we're 40 minutes or less. Is the film 40 minutes going to get in? You know, people make sweeping statements. Oh, well, no way you get in if it's too long. That's not true. There are plenty of films that have gotten in that are very long. There's a, in the documentary, one of the documentaries is nominated is, uh, is uh, 40 minutes, basically. So that film made our festival, got in and got nominated and all these things, and it's 40 minutes. So to say a 40-minute film and make a sweeping statement that it won't get into festivals or it's too long, it's not exactly true. That said, there are nuanced to things. It does make it harder if your film is longer. You're competing in a different sandbox, kind of. Like you're going up against other films with a similar length. And if there are so many films that are that long, only so many can make the festival that are submitted. So you can't program a whole entire festival. If we program the whole festival with films that are 30 to 40 minutes, all of them, we'd slash our films in half. So now we're only accepting 180 to 200 films, maybe. Now that means we're just dropping a whole slew of filmmakers and talented filmmakers and films. 200 are gone just because we decide we want to show everything that's longer. And most of those films that are longer at times can be sort of gratuitous with the length. Maybe the films are too long and need to be cut down. And they don't need to be that long. And there's, is, there's extraneous scenes and things that don't need to be there or there's just stuff that's, that drags out or maybe the credits are way too long. Some movies we will see have five, six minute credit sequences. That's, that's, for a short, that's insane. So you see that. Okay, that shouldn't be the case. But some films need the length they are. Like they need to be that long. So it's not just about slashing the, the runtime or cutting a film out just because you feel, you know, oh yeah, well, it needs to be shorter because festivals tell me to. Well, what if the film needs to be that long? What if it, it really works for what it is? We've had plenty of films that are amazing films that have won awards, have been selected that 37 minutes, 35 minutes, 33 minutes. Our winning film two years ago was 32 minutes. 32, 32 33, in that ballpark. It was over 30 minutes. Won the festival. Best short, grand prize. Long film. And it wasn't even necessarily fast-paced. It was very steady and slow, but very well thought out. And it was, it was a brilliant film. But it, it, it was the length it should have been. If they cut 10 minutes out of that, maybe it doesn't win at all. And it probably, maybe it doesn't even get in. Maybe they cut out too much and the, the film doesn't work and just to, for the sake of runtime. So it is always the, the tricky argument with the runtime issue. It's, it's tough. But if a film is longer, then you are sort of narrowing your chances to some degree because of the amount of time you have left to pro be programmed. So there is, a, there is a truth to that. But like everything else, it's a gray area. It's if the film's meant to be that long or just that awesome and amazing, and we were blown away by it, we're not going to say no to it just because it's long. Like that's we're going to accept the film and find a way to work around that. That's just what we're going to do. So there's that part. So you have to always look into that. And then of course you talk about the different areas. If a film, the, I think the biggest thing to keep it shorter is acting. Acting is a huge deal. I, we were talking about. It, I was talking with Theo about this yesterday. Um, too many films have all the right things going and the acting is just awful or really poor and yes everything again is subjective right but there, there is a an area that's not really i mean bad acting is bad acting you can tell the lines are being delivered well they're not hitting there's no chemistry with the actors it's just it's very poor and it, it you can't it, it stands out like no other like it's just it kills the movie it just destroys the movie like at that point you're done the audience will not forgive that they will feel like they're watching something that's awkward. They'll feel uncomfortable. And they'll know right away, okay, this isn't, this isn't up to standard. So how are we going to exhibit that in, in a professional setting? And that's a professional sense that we're in Hollywood. So we're showcasing four Hollywood top executives, industry, people that industry peers, all that stuff, other celebrities, whatever. 
So there's all these people in the audience that are watching the film and, and they're, they're expecting a certain quality, a certain level and tier, and then acting is just poor. It's done. It's just done. So that, that I think is a huge, huge killer uh, for, for many, many shorts is whether it's casting friends, not using a casting director, not having a professional assist in that process, just thinking they can handle it all. Because of course, a lot of times in this, this realm of world we're in with the shorts, the director takes on too much. It's hard. You have to take on everything. You have to budget. You have to get the money. You have to now cast people. You have to actually get the crew together and get people you need to know and hire. All these things you got to do. That's a lot of work. That's already overwhelming. Not having a casting person help is, is, is tough because you start getting friends. Hey, let's get this buddy and that buddy. I like you guys. You're great. You're cool. I like you. Do my movie with me. Okay, well, that doesn't do you a service because if they're not good, we don't even vet them. What if you just think, okay, they're a buddy in Hollywood. Yeah, I heard they can act. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, you, know I, you did a play. Okay, so, so maybe you're not. That's great. That's cool. Hey, let's do this film. Let's come shoot this thing. You shoot it? Yeah, I don't got money to pay you. Okay, let's do it. All right, well, fine. But then now what if that person's terrible? You're not going to fire them. I mean, do you reshoot? What do you do at that point where your money's gone? You spent a few thousand bucks during the weekend or one shoot day and it's $5,000 down the drain. Then what? So you see that a lot. This is a friend, sort of friend casting situation. And we've had people talk on panels about this. You just can't do it. It's, it's too important of what you're trying to do. Too important to make a great film, to make something that's really, really good or really reflects on your work to just say, hey, I'm going to just pass this on to people casually because I think they're cool and come be my movie. Can't do it. Like that's just, I just, it doesn't work here for this. Isn't that this isn't a you know situation where there's this automatic distribution feature film or something where you know they're gonna be bad. There's a whole world of B cinema and bad movies that are meant to be that, or movies that are just bad because there's a market for a star selling overseas and the movies stink, but they sell. That's not the world here. We're in the world of it's critical. You have to be really good, and you're trying to showcase yourself to get to a certain level. So you can't play with that. It's just, it's just, it's very important. So it's a big thing. Obviously, it's important where you have you know cinematography and. And all the other factors and, you know, editing and all these things are all critical, of course, too. But if all that's there and acting's bad, then, then it's like you're done. And so all the work that's been done, that's great. And DP can be brilliant and everything visually looks great or the good visual effects. The acting stinks. You know, they're representative of your movie. Like, they're, they're it's, it's just there. It's everything. So I, I think if you do weigh what's the most important, it's obviously a little unfair to say that's the most important. But I kind of would argue that it kind of is. And granted, all things equal. I'm not saying, of course, if the lighting is poor and his DP is terrible and the movie shot really poorly, yeah, of course, that, that's the same kind of thing. It's, it's not going to make it right. But if all equal, acting just stands out that bad and for the wrong reasons, it's no chance. So that's a, I think that's a, I think if, if it's one thing I want to pinpoint for all this, I would say that that's a big thing. So what's happening with the Oscars and Holly Shorts? Yeah, well, it's, uh, it's been a pretty, we've been now qualifying for three years. So this is our third year coming up that we're an Oscar qualifying festival. Um, so what that means is our, our grand prize winning film uh, for the last two years uh, has been automatically qualified for Academy Award consideration. Um, so it started three years ago and now, that, now that's also kicked up this year with two added categories. So now this year, the grand prize winning film will still be qualified like, like last few years, like, like always. Um, but we've also added best short live action, that category, that winner for our festival will also be qualified. So not only just the grand prize winner, but short live action winner will also be qualified and then best animation. So now animation category is also covered by our festival. So, so this year coming up in 2019, those three winners of those categories will be qualified for the Oscars. So now we have more films that have a chance to, to be nominated. So instead of just having our grand prize winning film, that's great, one film right there. Now we actually have three films that have a chance to be, to be nominated. So that's very exciting for us and of course exciting for the filmmakers. Um, so for us, more reason why the value of the submission is there. Um, so, so you win those categories, you're now qualified. 
Now, when the qualification happens, then those films that are qualified now are in the pool that the Oscar judges and the jury review the films to select which films get shortlisted, and then after that, which films get qualified and actually nominated, I mean. So they're nominated. So so this year, we had, uh, well, let me go back. Three, two years ago, the short live action category of three of the five films. So three of the five films two years ago were, were nominated, and the winner, Silent Child, was our, one of our films. So wow. the winning films from Holly Shorts, two of the other ones were from our festival as well, and our best director for My Nephew Emmett, also you know, nominated as well, and uh, Watu Wote, so that film as well. So two of those films were winners at our festival. The one that didn't win actually at our festival won the Oscar. So it says a lot about the competition and the quality. It was really cool to have three or five for that category for live action last year. This year we have one film in every category. So uh, we have short live action with Skin, which is exciting because that film Skin won our festival. So it was qualified by us. So we feel sort of a, a very passionate about this film. Uh, we love the filmmakers, we love the film, the story. I think it's a fantastic film. We believed in it. I felt very early on when I first saw it, I remember calling Theo, I was like, look, you gotta watch this right away. And I felt very strong that this film was gonna be something. I just, just knew. I just, I don't know, just felt really strong about it. Just felt it had a real chance to be something. And it's cool to see that process come through. Because you believe in something, you say, hey, this is, I just see it. You, you watch it, you feel, I felt strong about it. It just made me kind of jump out of my seat like, oh, this is something I gotta call Theo about right now. We gotta, we gotta, he's gotta watch this movie, we're gonna talk about it. He watched it right away, we talk. We're really strong. We feel great about it. We're accepting it. This film's going to get in. This is one. It just it just sort of blew everyone away. So then goes to the festival. Jury loves it as well. Unanimous and it wins best short. So it was it was really 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 well taken by the jury, which is rare to see. There's sometimes a debate and things. This was one of these films that just unanimously kind of loved. And to have that qualification happen at our festival and go on to be nominated, it's very exciting for us. So we really feel good about Skin's chances and really happy for them to to be be nominated. It's pretty cool. And then we also have Film Weekends in the animation category that also nominated as well. And that was a, a finalist at our festival last year. And then a documentary Lifeboat, you know, about the, the refugee situation and, and it's a really amazing film. And then that film also, also nominated as well. So doc, animation, and live action, those three categories, we have a film in each. And also we have one other doc that wasn't at the festival last year, but the filmmaker is a past best director winner. So an alumni that she is now also nominated for, for her documentary, period, end of sentence. So that film was also nominated. So it's kind of like we really have four films of all the of all the nominated films this year, which is really neat. So and, and also in each category. So what if we win all three? That'd be pretty awesome. <laughs> if all three of those won, that would be that'd be the grand slam. That'd be really incredible if all those films won Oscars. That'd be really neat. So so very excited that as years have gone on. I mean, early years of the festival, we didn't have many films that were nominated. It just wasn't. You know, we weren't there yet. The level of quality. The the, the competition aspect, the qualification aspect, that we weren't qualified. So we didn't have that going on. Then years passed, eight, nine years, year 10, we started to get more films that were nominated and winning Oscars. We were starting to see, hey, these films are here too. We should be qualifying. Like we're, our level of quality is there on par with the Oscar stuff. So that's when we started to, the process of application and all that. And now being qualified and seeing that the film's winning, like Skin having that direct relation of winning and then going on to be actually nominated and all that is exciting. It's like now that, there's a direct effect of seeing the, the line of winning at the festival and going on to be nominated. So to see that many films now and all the categories covered, it's pretty cool. So it's been a growth to see not just one film here and there, but now have three, four or five films each year in the pool of being nominated. And some of the winning is it's really awesome. So, you know, again, part of that, that growth and, and, and strength of the festival and, and seeing that, you know, go to, you know, grow to fruition and, and, and happen now. And then hopefully it just obviously continues and to a point where maybe all the films will be <laughs> from the festival. That'd be pretty cool if all nominated films would be from Holly Shorts. But 
you know, we're happy to see that that number is going up and up every year. So it's been pretty cool to see that that growth and, and now being qualifying and seeing the films you know, go to the Oscars is pretty awesome. You used to work in distribution. Mm -hmm. You had a day job before you did all the shows yeah, full time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How did that help you? It helped a lot. It helped a lot. Well, for one, distribution is, is a obviously, well, not just distribution, theatrical distribution. So dealing with theaters, right? So in the theater world, I'm learning the theater business. Uh, as a festival, we are in the theater business. We are renting theaters. We're booking theaters. In our case, we're using the Chinese theater. So we're booking them. We have a contract. You know, rates, how does it work? Like we're understanding the business. So me knowing the business better, understanding what theaters might charge for this stuff, what a booking means, you know, how it works when they book films in their theaters, knowing that part of the business, understanding when I'm taking a screening with a festival, what it means for them to lose a theatrical film from a studio. I understand that process. So now I can understand better what the rates are, what kind of business they're going to do with that screen for that week if we weren't there. All that kind of stuff, now I understand that. So I can go back to the theater and they say, hey, this is going to cost us this much to rent this theater for a week. And I said, well, no. I know if you were playing X movie and you'd make this much for this week in this theater. Now I can understand that part of the business. I know those numbers. And I can actually better kind of fight uh, the good fight for our, our sort of right to have a good cost to the theater and not be like gouged by a theater or they can just overcharge us and take advantage of, of us as a festival, right? That, that, that part helps a lot. So understanding the business that way and learning also client relations. Uh, it's different than, of course, done with filmmakers and, and filmmaker relations, but every event, every business, every everything is, is client relations. Whether you're a salesman, whether you're a film festival dealing with filmmakers, whether I'm a salesman at theatrical distribution selling movies to theaters, and I'm, I'm literally selling for Lionsgate and selling movies to, them, to the theaters, I have to understand how to negotiate, how to deal with customers, the choosing process, the, the good and bad, how to deal with personalities, like all those things that I had to deal with on a weekly basis, I think would definitely help strengthen my understanding of the festival, how to, how to better try to find ways to listen and serve filmmakers as our customers, things like that, like that's always going to be valuable. So definitely that was a big part of it. So the, the business learning with distribution was big, understanding the theatrical business uh, for, for the festival. We are directly related to theaters, so that was a big help. Um, you know, and then of course learning how to deal with customers and kind of how to, how to sell yourself, how to sell, you know, some of the films we had weren't, let's be honest, sometimes they weren't very good. So you got to sell these films to people and really upsell films that weren't very good. And um, so you learn how to sell in any situation. And for us, we learn how to, you know, promote and push and sell our festival and believe in that and do that. So I think there's a lot of, a lot of good that came from it. And, and then the hustle, I mean, it was like two jobs. It was two jobs. I was working there, day and night was work. It was day, working at Lionsgate, nighttime work on the festival and sometimes it was both lunch break work on the festival do calls and emails during the lunch all this stuff was constant so definitely you, we had to appreciate the hustle and the grind uh, you know that was like we had to really work at it and uh, it kept you on your toes um, yeah it was a lot it was a lot, a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of volume of things to deal with from emails from all sides work wise stuff and then of course Holly Shorts emails and things like that so time to watch films and it was you know, you're working all day and then you got to watch at nights or you got to weekends. Weekends were crammed. We get together and watch all these movies. So we were just constantly working. So um, it was it was a it was a, it was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot of time spent on a lot of work in all areas, whether it was festival or or you know lines get stuff. And also the last part of it was just you're in the business. We're in the middle of the business in the trenches. I'm I'm, I'm seeing what films are being sold, what films we're selling. Uh, how much they go for, all these different things, the aspect of what we sold the films for, all that kind of stuff you learn about. Um, you know, so now I also know who the players are, who's doing what, you know, who executives are at different studios and things like that. So, so for panels, industry people, for judges, it was a great resource to like, hey, 
I was able to honestly pull from some people. Like, hey, you want to come and do a panel? You want to? I do this festival as well. This is what I do. This is I'm here, but I'm also doing Holly Schwartz. This is what I do. This is my my thing. So you know, it was um, it was a way to sort of uh, you know, I guess do both and kind of pull from it. So I was kind of uh, I guess a sort of chameleon that way. I was kind of just trying to <laughs> trying to trying to extract some of that, you know. And I was able to do that. I had access, so it was good. Starting out, did you think it was going to become such a hustle? I mean, I know that right now that's like this really, like people thrive on that word because it yeah. seems like cool, I'm doing, but I mean, it's all, I'm sure you were exhausted at times. Yeah. Did you realize that it would be so much work? Because there's so many people I'm sure that would love to emulate what you've done, but yeah, can you tell yeah, them how yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know if I, I guess if you're saying like, it would have, I've like looked back and say, okay, I'm 24, whatever, 23, whatever year, you know. And we're gonna, we just said, let's do this, we're gonna do this. And obviously didn't know what that next 15 years would mean and uh, how much work that would have been. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I, I honestly can say I don't know. It's not something I said, yeah, you know, everyone always answers, yeah, do it all over again, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yes, I love what we're doing and I'm very passionate sure. about it. I'm very, mm -hmm. I'm very excited and happy that we've been able to grow this way. So I'm proud of it. So I guess the answer is definitely yes. But definitely, also, that said, it would, it's also something to realize, like, I did not. Also, no, I can't sit here and say I knew that was going to be that much work or that, that the volume. I never knew we were going to get, you know, thousands and thousands of submissions. How would I have known that? Like, to ever think that we were going to get 6,000, like, I, I never would have known that. Like, couldn't even imagine that, right? So, what that means to actually how much time you spent watching all those movies all those years in my 20s, like, we watched a lot of, I never would have imagined that it would have been that way. So, that's something that was unexpected. I, well, that's the wrong word. It's not unexpected. I mean, you wanted to grow. We, every sure. year we were hoping to grow and we knew that there's a certain level like, hey, Sundance gets this many films, so we have to try to, like we understood there was a, a growth projection and we knew there's more films to watch and we'd have to watch a lot of films. Um, but it's also on us to how we handled it because we know other festivals do things where they just hire a bunch of interns and say, you watch this stuff, we don't watch anything and we'll just kind of take the best and whatever. Like, that's just what they do and that's not something we were, we, we haven't done the review team thing like this until recently, like, because we had to. It wasn't, mm -hmm. it wasn't a thing of even almost really choice. Like, before it was always just us watching everything all the time, no, no holds barred, no questions asked. That's just also, we chose to do it that way too. So it was also a choice. So there's no victim thing where, yeah, we didn't, it was overwhelming. We also chose to do it this way. We chose to have it be this way. And it was a passion thing for us to stay together. We're childhood friends. We grew up together. It's like family, everyone getting together on the weekends, all this stuff and getting together for a meeting. It was part of our way to, I guess subconsciously or something, I imagine there's some part of, it was also part of us doing something that we felt we could all stick together, right? You know, like growing up together and that kind of thing, we have the kind of relationship and friendships and things. It, it, it did help. It kept the connection going, right? Because if we didn't do it, right? If there's no Holly Schwartz ever existed, will we have spent as much time together and had as much calls and chats as much as we've had all these years? And I'm just speaking also, I guess, for just myself and Theo. There's others involved. But the answer is no. It would be no. And so that was something that it's kind of cool. And you look back and think, okay, maybe there's also a, there's a personal connection and realization or, or, or reason for all this. It's, you know, it's, it's not something you can ignore. It's something that's, that's probably part of the whole thing. Um... So I guess all of that, along with an answer, I'd say, yeah, I guess I go back to it and I'd say, the, I would do it all over again. Yes, we would. And I'm very excited that it's, it's grown to this point and I'm very proud now. Um, yeah, I think it's really neat. And, uh, but I never would have imagined it though. I, even though you say you did or you think you can try to vision, I don't know if we would have gotten to this, this point like that. How do I know? I, I wouldn't have known. And it's not something we were like naive to say we, we believe would have happened. It's no, this is not possible. 15 years working two jobs, emails, constant work. Where is it in you that still wants to discover like these great films? Like where, where does that passion come from? Well, it's also the excitement of watching anything, right? Like it's like the cool thing about it 
is, I mean, like, okay, like if you watch, uh, go to the movies now. I say we go, I go to Arclight right now. After this is done, we go to Arclight, go watch a movie. I know what I'm getting into basically, right? I mean, I kind of have an idea what the movies are. I know who is in them. I know the stars. Uh, I have a general idea about the movies. Not much is going in blindly. I've seen the trailers. We've heard about the movies. We've read reviews, whatever. With these films, I don't know anything about anything about anyone. I don't know who they are. Not not everyone because there's alumni that resubmit and I'm familiar with their work and that kind of stuff. Okay, outside of that, right? Like the excitement on that is like it's sort of like a it's essentially kind of opening a gift every time. You don't know what you're getting when you open a box. Hey, here's a gift. I have no idea what you're giving me. I open it up. It could be a really awesome gift or it could be an ugly sweater. You're like, this sucks. My aunt to give me another bad gift. And here's whatever. Okay, then that's bad. But if it's awesome and you're like, this, this is the cool, I didn't know, I never thought you'd get me this. I never thought, this is like, it's like this, it's, it's a gift. It's like the coolest thing. It's, it's, it's hard to describe. Like, it's because you get excited. If you love movies, if you like this kind of thing, and if you don't, then it's who cares? You're like, this is boring. But if you think it's cool or excited about it, it's like a, it's, and yeah, like the thing with skin, like we saw skin and we watched it and I was like, that, it just, it just had it. It just, I don't know. You just see it, and you're excited, and it just it gets us excited. And we're calling each other like two whatever kids all giddy, like it's just it's just what it is. It's the, it's the fun part of it. It's the, you have to enjoy it and look at the fun of it. Like that's the but it's like an adventure. You don't know what we're gonna get. We watch all these movies, all these hours, and you can spend. We had days where we spent the whole day and not one movie we liked. Not movie, not one movie got in. It, we even watched sometimes seventy five movies, hundred movies. You can spend a whole day from morning to night, late night, all the way the whole damn day, and nothing's good. You're like this, like it's like beating you down. Nothing, and then you get this one movie. And it's like, that was amazing. You get so excited. It just gives you like a juice of energy. It's like, whoa. And it just hits you. And it can spend the whole day, 80 movies, whatever. And you finally get that one movie. So one movie of all those movies even makes the festival. But that movie is like, blows you away. And you're so excited about it. Then now you're like, now I get the chance to meet these people. I get to interact with them. Like there's, there's a, you can have a connection. Like you get to find out more maybe about the movie. Like that's always still going to be cool. And I guess if that's not cool and that falls off and it's not cool anymore and not exciting, then yeah, then it's time to stop. Then it's done, right? Because if it's not engaging or exciting where you're not like ecstatic to see those films and then get to meet them or, or get involved in that process or have them be part of the family or all the things that go into you know acceptance of the festival and showing and screening and all the other things then it's done but for now it's still it's still there you still get you still get excited it's like yeah it's pretty cool like it, it's because again you don't know we don't go in reading a bunch of stuff i don't like to read too much of the synopsis and these things i just want to watch the film put it on let's see the movie i don't want to know all these things it doesn't it's not about that it's about the movie how does it stand up? Do you love the movie? Do you enjoy it? Is it really good? Do you see the certain qualities that are there? You know, all those things is really cool. So when you get that that level of excitement, like it's 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 harder. What else can replicate that in life, right? Like there's not too many things where you can just put something on and all of a sudden you never know what might might come of that. So there's this cool surprise element to every movie you watch. And there's thousands of them, but you don't know what you're gonna see with every movie. Because again, it's not marketed where I know what they are. It's not a green book where I'm going to go see the movie. I've seen the trailer 10 times and I've heard reviews and stories and back and forth about it. It's not that. This is like, I don't know pretty much any of it outside of maybe already seeing it at another festival or something like that or whatever, or knowing the alumni and that kind of thing. It's like this, this whole complete surprise. So yeah, I think, I think that's a, probably a pretty good analogy. I think the, the idea of the gift or the box, you don't know what you're going to open when you open that thing up. You know, or, you know it's, it's just, it's cool. So it's, and it's still exciting. So it makes us, realize hey if this is still exciting for us then it's still we can still do this and if it's not then we got a problem because if it's something we don't we're not happy about or giddy about or excited about or passionate about then then that point if that happens we have to find out how to pass this on or whatever because it'd be over what's the first movie you saw in the theater as a kid first movie was goonies do you remember where it was well i think i do but i I think i'm wrong (laughs) i always thought it was a chinese theater 
which is funny, right? Because we're oh, the festival wow. of Chinese here. Yeah. So that's also probably, I don't think it's actually totally accurate. I think it might actually have been, I think it might have been the South Coast Plaza. I oh, that's my mom is. Because I think I actually am accurate. I think I'm actually, that might be right. And I think the Chinese theater is wrong. And I probably built that in my head a little more than, <laughs> you know, because I know I went to the Chinese theater very early in life and saw one of my early movies. I think it was E.T. there. Either E.T., Goonies, one of them. But I know Goonies was first. I, yeah, I just got to, I got to, I have to, I have to talk to my mom more about that. Because I, I, I always thought it was that, but now I, I thought about it recently. I was kind of wondering about it. I was like, I wonder, because we, at one point, and around that time, we're living in, in Orange County, in Irvine. So, more reasonable to think we would have been at South Coast Plaza watching a movie than at that right. time the Chinese theater which we'd go to when we were in LA at some times and uh and when we visited later in the years to come in the early 80s I lived in Southern California but not always LA brief time in LA then Orange County so we did go to the Chinese theater but I gotta double check the time frame and time lapse of I mean the time uh range of when I saw what or what movies were at the Chinese theater because I remember recalling the Chinese theater very early and seeing one of my early first movies but I always thought it was there first, and I, I don't, not, not 100% sure. But hey, it's cool to think. <laughs> it's actually pretty cool to think early on. I, I was going to the Chinese wow. theater as a kid, so young. We went there, and I remember, I do remember seeing The Fugitive at the, at the TCL, which was well, back then, the Grommans. Um, you know, I remember that was cool. We were visiting LA in the summer and went to see the movie. Um, that was just a big box office hit, you know, and seeing it at the Chinese theater. So to see those movies there and all that stuff over the years and, and go to that theater, and then to the years later, have a festival there. And, be there for opening night and stuff. It was, it's a cool full circle thing that, again, you got to appreciate these things. I mean, it's life. It's it's cool. It's unique. It's who knows, you know, who the hell knows? I never would have thought I've been doing this stuff. So like you, know, like, you never really know. So it's it's nice to have those moments and say, you know what, this is pretty neat. So it's pretty cool to appreciate that because you never would have known. We never would have known that that would have happened and, and all these years later that we would have been doing this stuff and also be at the theater where we went as kids and all that kind of, it's just, it's pretty cool. So, um, you know, again, loving movies and being a fan of movies and all that, you have to appreciate these things. It's kind of the little geek moments. <laughs> yeah. But it's pretty neat. But yeah, it's, um, but yeah, those, uh, those early classics were some of the movies I remember as a kid. Who's buying short films today? Well, now that's obviously the ever-changing sort of question right now, right? I mean, with, with the new streaming platforms, new apps, the development and discussion about short content, short films, where the place of short films is in this sort of, sort of new world of streaming is like sort of the great unknown. It's something we're excited about because we think there's great potential for shorts to be its own big market. And I think it's something that we're trying to get behind and, and really excited about. Um, outside of obviously the big question or sort of the broad answer, there are specific companies that are looking for content, short content. Uh, we work with a few of them and one of them is Dust. They look for sci-fi films. So there are specific content they're looking for is sci-fi. So uh, we're sci-fi adventure, you know, the, the kind of realm of you know, science fiction, VFX, VFX and, and things like that. But they're looking for those films. Um, so we like to talk with them and work with them all the time. We love a great film. Hey, we have a great sci-fi film here. Take a look. You know, they like it. They could acquire non-exclusive, you know, so their deals are fair and, and you get more exposure. So it's kind of win-win for everyone. And they also have a company, I don't know if it's sister company or just their other streaming company is Alter. And Alter does horror films. So their focus is more horror thriller. And so they're, they're both obviously genre based, but really cool areas of distribution opportunities for, for filmmakers looking for that and getting exposure and actually getting acquired. Now, again, in an exclusive way. So they're not taking your film and taking the IP or really anything like that. So, you know, it's definitely an opportunity for filmmakers to get more exposure and have another place to to get distribution. Um, and of course, everyone knows Shorts TV. Shorts TV has been doing it a long time. So they're always acquiring shorts and they're linear on, on DirecTV and at t and all that stuff, Uverse. So they're on television. And uh, so that's their area or angle. And they're always looking for shorts all the time. So they've, but they've been doing it for a while. Um, 
but they're not in the streaming aspect. The streaming aspect you see in companies like The Dust and stuff, and then you have Crunchyroll that does anime. So there's all these different sort of, uh, at the moment, apps that are focused, apps or websites focused on direct, direct markets, right? So anime, Crunchyroll, sci-fi, Dust, you know, things like that. Um, you know, there's the Crypt TV app, they do horror as well. So there's all these different uh, apps and websites that are focused on certain genres or styles of film that are looking to acquire shorts. Um, all different deals and different things as far as exclusivity or non-exclusivity. Um, but now that, that's, a, that's a big deal. Like this is something that's, that's ever-changing and growing. This wasn't, this, this wasn't the way 5, 10, 15 years ago. This is, you know, when we started, there was nothing. There was literally no shorts distribution. There was no, none of it. So there was no opportunity for shorts. They didn't have any place in a, in a distribution landscape. And now there's, there's, I'm just naming a few. There's so many more that are doing this. So it's, it's pretty wild to think of what can come. You know, there's stuff focused on certain genres, and there's, there's also apps that are looking for just general short content um, and, and ever-changing. Uh, we have our own platform we're looking to build up and work on, and it's called BitPix. So BitPix TV is our website and our app. We're on Amazon and Roku. Um, looking to grow that. Right now, it's a, it's a general shorts sort of landscape. We have shorts from all types of genres and everything that we have, sort of best of fest and things from the monthly screenings and films that we like, we have on the, on the platform. Um, and subscription-based. and So that's something that we're looking to grow and, and take to the next level. It's something that's not at that place yet where it's huge and well-known and, and you know, universally known, you know, worldwide and things like that. Or, you know, but that's something we, we feel like can get there. I think shorts have a huge market because worldwide people like watching shorts. India, China, Europe, Europe, they love shorts. So now if you have a place where everyone can focus on one area to go to, you know, when you think of, hey, I want to stream certain TV shows, whatever you think Netflix now, what about shorts? If we have the place that everyone says, hey, I want to go to BitPix for shorts, wouldn't that be amazing? If they can find all the best shorts in the world, they can find them there. You know, that's something that we're exploring, you know, and, and it's something I think the audience is now there more than ever because, again, TVs are not TVs anymore. It's your phone. You can literally sit on your phone and watch stuff anywhere you are, and it's something that young generations are going up doing. So we're all trying to figure out how to capitalize on this and make this be the next thing. So maybe short filmmakers and short content creators can make more money, can have their shorts made and get a bigger audience than just really cool festivals or some, some eyeballs on some streaming sites and stuff, but be recognized worldwide you know, in a different way. And I really do think that this is where things are going. I think in the next five to 10 years, it's gonna be a big change and shift for what the perception of shorts is. We talked about earlier, what do short films mean? What, is, what, are, what are shorts? And then 15 years ago, yeah, it was just, hey, you made a cool thesis film or art film, you should try to show it at a festival, and that, that's what it was. And then it's just strictly a calling card. That film couldn't make you any money, that film couldn't be its own thing, none of that. Now, there's so many places and avenues and ways a short can go. Whether it's distribution, whether it's a, it is a calling card, whether it's just a, a short to be a feature, whether it's a TV series, whether it's you just make great shorts, and that's all you do is make awesome shorts, and that's what you do. You don't have to necessarily just be, hey, I made a short to go, to be a, to, to, to go make a feature film or to showcase myself. No, you can make great shorts and tell short stories in a way that can be your calling card in that way, not like just to go on and do something else. So this whole world with all these different apps and platforms that are looking for films, there's a way to make some money, there's a way to get more exposure. Um, it's just, it's huge. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely something that, I mean, it's just changed the whole landscape of what we're doing. And that's why we've even seen more submissions, not only the growth of the festival, but the fact that more people are making short films than ever before in the world. That's just, that's just a fact. So it's really exciting. I mean, you have those platforms. There's Vimeo does their staff pick. So you have Vimeo staff pick for exposure and they do that. Um, there's uh, Short of the Week and that website and that, 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 you know, they do that. So Short of the Week is a place where they'll pick out their short and expose them and give you a sort of stamp of approval for your film. They do that and that's really cool. So you have these different sites and whether it's sites, whether it's apps, that they're looking for content. So now 
And not only just them, AT&T is doing contests all the time, looking for content. You know, they've done promotions with us. And so AT&T is looking for stuff for their channels all the time for TV. They're looking for shorts and they're doing contests for short filmmakers to give them prizes. Like, it's just, it's sort of this new Wild West, new world. Like, there's actually opportunities to not just showcase yourself and make money and also get garnish more exposure than ever before, which is, is really cool. I mean, to be a part of that is something we couldn't have foreseen back then. But now, as we've positioned ourselves as a strong festival and things and in the short space, we want to see how we can push this thing further and grow you know, the online capability and the app capability and all the festival, all of it to grow to new heights and, and to just make short films the, the new sort of new premiere content. You know, I think there's a, there's a chance and I think that's pretty cool. And I think there's something that definitely, you know, next five to 10 years we're gonna see keep changing. You said earlier that sometimes you'll see a, a billboard or something and you'll go, oh, I wonder whose film that is. And then you'll look and it's a Holly Shorts alum and it makes you proud. Are there any great stories that you can tell us or, or do you have alums come back to you and say, you know, this festival really helped put me on the map? Yeah, no, there's definitely, definitely a lot. I mean, it, it's, it's the point now where we were just, just two days ago driving down Sunset and, and look to our right at a stoplight, see a billboard and, and for, for the show Smilf and then Frankie Shaw's an alumni are like, oh, there's, she's on the billboard and that's her. And Frankie Shaw was at our festival three years ago with her film. And there's one there. And then I drive down and we go further up and then there's a little poster of this horror film that's coming out. And oh, it's Nicholas McCarthy's film. And that, he's another alumni. And I'm just seeing billboards and people just, it's like, it's kind of wild to think that that's happening now. Because that wasn't, early on it wasn't that way. Even as we established the year nine, year 10, we had a lot of great alumni. But Ten, it, now it's like it's everywhere it's pretty neat to see hey I go to a movie and I'm just looking at credits and I see the editor of this movie is this person oh they're alumni from this year they did this film and I'm always looking to see who's doing what that's kind of my because I'm watching all, all the films and programming and I always like to pay attention to every single person involved and so Theo jokes that I'm the IMDB of Holly Short so I try to like know what's going on so I'm seeing it because it's part of the job it's part of understanding who's doing what after the fact where they're going where their career is going what are they up to next who are they working with all of that research of just watching films, going just to go into a theater to watch a movie to see who's doing what, who's involved in the film, if it's their film, or are they working on the film? You know, what ties they might have to the festival? Uh, you know, all that stuff is, is plays into to all of it. It's important to know what's going on with the business, but it's also exciting that we now have alum alumni doing just huge things with those TV shows. You know, showrunners creating their own series, directing big feature films, studio films. It's commercial directing, all of this stuff. Like it, it's just we've seen this kind of alumni explosion over the years. I mean, it's not just, it's, it's also 15 years, right? I mean, if someone did a year, film in year three, 10 years later, it stands a reason if they're good, talented, they're young, maybe they're in their 20s now, they're in their 30s, they've established themselves, they worked their way up, they're gonna be doing more things, right? Like, so the, as time has gone on, obviously we're older, so with the age comes experience, so those filmmakers have also grown with it. But, I mean, it's just, a, I couldn't even rattle off all the names just in different, I mean, but there's some that are obvious. There's people like Issa Rae, who's been at the festival with her web series, and we spoke about web series earlier, but obviously her famous web series turned into a hit show now. And now she's, now she's a, you know, a superstar. I mean, she's on fire. Her show's a hit. She's starring in all types of movies. She's doing everything. So she's like on fire. So we have alumni on that level where people know who they are recognizable. And then we have people who are doing films that are maybe it's more quiet. You don't know them as much as, as a for sort of household names, but but they're doing amazing work and getting films you know, theatrically released and, uh, or working on series and TV shows. And it's, you know, it's, it's just, it's cool to see social media that way. Cause I'm looking on posts and I'm just seeing people post about their stuff all the time. And it's kind of like, I have to keep up on who's on Facebook posting about what they're doing, what their film they're working on, what the, what TV episode they directed or it's crazy. I mean, Dave Rodriguez directing all types of TV shows, Kat Cairo, she's directing TV shows all the time. Like the, the, they were in our 
alumni from the years of like 08, 09. And now they're, now they're fully established TV directors who are doing great work, who are just in the biz working. Like, it's just cool to see that, that, that shift. And they do come back. A lot of alumni submit for future films. Um, being short films, we obviously see filmmakers make more films. You're not going to usually make one short and then never make a short again. So we're seeing a lot of continuous films come back. Filmmakers make more films and submit more and more work to us. So it's really cool to see a lot of alumni come back, submit their work. Um, and some are great. Some can still get in and get accepted. Many don't. I mean, last year we had, I believe it was around 500 alumni submitted films. Pretty crazy wow. number. So obviously that stands a reason that many cannot get in just based on the fact that 400 may be accepted. So we're not going to, it's already right there. They're competing in a different, Sort of, sort of set of circumstances to compete against themselves, kind of, right? Because you, we're not accepting all films at all, it's alumni base, and just that's all we're doing. That wouldn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, so there are sometimes people talk about, oh, well, if you're in the festival, your alumni, you're just going to get in. It's not really accurate. It's not, obviously, it's not possible. And it's not something we're going to do. It's not accurate. It's still about the film, about the next film, about the work. Um, and that's really what it boils down to. Now, obviously, there's relationships, and we love our alumni, but it's, uh, it's cool to see that that. That word of mouth's good, and how many people come back to submit? That's really neat, and and also making more films. But yeah, the, the list it's it's pretty it's pretty awesome. Like the list of alumni and things that they've gone on to do now. Early on, we're hoping to see who would kind of take off and that kind of thing. It was kind of like, oh wow, someone. But now it's it's sort of we can't even keep up with the amount of filmmakers doing really good work or having films released or, you know, just selling scripts or whatever the case may be. Like they're just you know, DPing TV shows and things. It's just incredible. It's uh. I mean, I just think of people now. I mean, Carmen Cabana is one. She's doing amazing work and working on Narcos. And, and she was on our festival year three. And now seeing her growth has been amazing. So, it's, yeah, it's something we're very proud of. We bring back alumni to do jury work and things like that, be on the jury. And it's pretty cool. But, yeah, we're, we're, we're very pleased and very excited to see, you know, the, the, the quality of work the alumni are doing. And it just it also keeps telling us, that, hey, the right path, the right films. We're hopefully doing the right job with who we pick, how we're curating the films, and what we see them do after the fact. It's pretty neat. I mean, yeah, this many years now with 15, it, we're seeing it. It's it's like it's never been before, just seeing the, the really, just the alumni popping up everywhere. That drive is pretty neat. I mean, just driving down the street and seeing different billboards and things and people keep, it's just, it's crazy. I mean, to think that we can just drive down the street and see posters and stuff and we know who's involved with like different projects. It's And they were from our festival. And, you know, and last year one filmmaker pulled me aside opening night. He was look you know i love your festival i'm back this year i'm really proud and happy but it's gotta let you know like when i was here years ago my first film i screened and then this, this executive pulled me aside he wanted to talk to me hired me to do all his commercial work i ended up doing nike commercials and campaigns and stuff and i worked with this this production company to, to do commercials and he's, been, he's like it made me a career it's like i've been working at this and this is my career he's like still make my films for my passion that's my work but he's like this this gave me a career and i'm like i don't know what to say to that i'm like that's awesome that's amazing that's just humbling i don't know what else can i say i mean that's just like Wow, uh, you, obviously, cool. we're going to be proud of that. That's really neat. So it was like, that was really cool. And obviously, I didn't know that. How would I have known that if he didn't tell me? I mean, it, you know, it's harder to know about commercials as opposed to, hey, someone's name on a billboard or, you know, on a TV show, whatever. But that was really neat. So that's the kind of stuff we like hearing. And, and yeah, it's really, really awesome when that happens. It's, uh, and it's obviously happening more and more. So that's pretty cool. I would imagine this comes up a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if I write Holly Shorts a letter and I tell them, you know, listen, I, I would love it if you could waive the fee and I will do this, this, and this to reciprocate for that money. Are you able to then take my film and waive that fee? 
Well, my answer to that would be no. Okay. <laughs> Basically, yes, I, we, we're we're not a uh, uh, we're not a fan of the fee waiver request. Um, many festivals maybe probably agree with me. Some festivals maybe don't. Maybe offer a lot of waivers. Um, now there are some small instances of things like okay, if I say I do, there really is only instance if I go to a festival and I see your film and I'm like I gotta have it. I'm telling you I want like if I'm essentially at your door begging you for your film, then obviously in fairness I'm telling you to submit it. You know, I should either worst case offer you a discount or, you know, maybe weigh the fee. But we don't do that ever. I don't ask for films anymore. We don't ask for films really at all. So it's really about, to me, it's not even just about the financial aspect. It's about the actual fairness of the process. If uh, you feel your film is worthy or good enough for that, well, many others are. So why are we waiving just one fee just because you asked for it and everyone else is paying full price? I mean, what's the difference? Like, why should I offer you this, 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 this nice gift? Like, for what? Like, what? Just to ask for it is not a good enough reason. And even if there are extenuating situations, or you know, you uh, we hear all types of stuff. Whether it's the financial stuff, I know, obviously, for, especially for student filmmakers, obviously a lot of times money is tight. You're a student, you're in college. I understand that part, that part of it. That I get that, but then you have to handpick what festival you're trying to submit to, and and all this stuff, and, and you got to make a plan. You know, and as uh, you got to just make something happen. It's, it's, you can't just say, hey, I want a fade waiver because I'm having some struggles. Or, and we all have struggles in life. We all have things. I was in college and broke. You had to pay for certain things I wanted. You had to pay for it or make it happen. You don't just ask for that because you feel you deserve it. And to me, there is a certain element of offense. It's offensive in some ways to me. I just don't personally don't, don't like it. Um, I will try to answer as many as I can to answer people to just to tell them kindly we do not take waivers and that's it. At times, if, if there are some circumstances where we like the email, feel like someone's really making a good effort, there's real reason behind something or or whatever, I don't know, or you know, we can always say, look, there are certain situations where we have discounts or promo partners and things, and look them up, and if you see their promo thing and they send the code out or you, know, you have a discount there, you get a discount. But that's all we can do. You still have to pay because it's just the principle of it. Everyone's submitting and paying. So in the, if you get accepted, you don't pay, and then they paid their good money and they didn't get in or they got in, you know, why are you getting the same equal benefit for a submission fee? And also, again, not that it's any, every dollar counts, but we're not, our fees aren't like, you know, like you're you know, submitting $500 to submit to a festival. Now, it adds up for a lot of festivals. I, I get that. But our fee is what our fee is. I don't care what the festival charge or how many festivals you're submitting to. For us, we're looking at it as you should submit to ours. We feel it's in that caliber. And, uh, and it's in the range of 35 to 70 or so dollars, the range of early to late. If you submit last day, it's obviously higher. If it's spent right now, early bird, it's anywhere from 35 to 40 bucks. It's not uh, something you need to take, go donate blood for. I mean, it's like, you know, it's, a, it's not, you know, it's just, and then again, I don't want to come across as too flippant or anything. I just, it's, it's just to me, it, it is something that it, it takes time from my day or any of our day or our interns or assistants or anyone to answer these emails. To, even at all, which some of them sometimes we can't even catch up on, or sometimes we even well, I'm almost wondering well, why even bother answering. Like sometimes, like do I have to answer you? I don't have to. I mean, you know, but we are at least trying to be kind of to at least get back to people. Say, look, we, we just don't offer waivers. Um, it's just a, it's just something that it's not even a time thing. Like oh, it's early and later, or depending on how much the fee. It's just it's not something I feel the principle always has been. Why is everyone else paying? And what makes you different that you feel you're more special that you don't have to pay just based on. You know, either not just struggle, but hey, I, my film's that good, and I just think it shouldn't. And that's also to touch on that. That bugs me even more. I mean, people like the filmmakers should never reference, hey, I, I played at this festival, that festival, so that means obviously I'm at a certain place. I got in some festivals, but now here, weigh my fee for this one. Okay, let me ask you this: Did you submit to those festivals and pay? Yeah, right. Yes, you did. I'm assuming yes. Okay, so now you're telling me 
my festival is not worthy of submitting the fee and paying. You got into those festivals, but then you just didn't like the hypocrisy of that. Mm-hmm. That bugs me to no end. Like, okay, you're telling me you played these festivals already, so obviously we assume you paid the submission fee. I highly doubt they gave you your waivers. And at times I used to get mad, I would actually say it to people. Like, oh, so did you pay this fee? Yeah, no answer. <laughs> like, yeah, you paid their fee, so you're telling me now you're not going to pay our submission fee at a moderate rate to just because you just played there already and now you just don't want to pay our fee. Then that obviously do you not inherently notice how that, how offensive that can be to a festival to say sure. you're telling me we played them first we played with them you know hey it's gonna be personal you're telling me you played there and paid there and now you don't want to pay for us so you're saying what you ran out of money and now you don't want to pay or you just don't want to pay period and just you're gonna ask for something because you now feel you have a sort of more special thing going because you've been accepted so it's great awesome that the films come to us and we know hey they made these festivals it's great um, all good but again. Everyone else is paying, so I just don't, I just, you know. Now, I know there are circumstances of, uh, of you know, other countries like Iran comes up a lot. Uh, they cannot pay fees or there's uh, sanctions for credit cards and things that we hear about. I don't know the political situation, quite frankly, of how much that is fully accurate or not. I believe it is to be. We still get submissions from Iran at times and they pay. I don't know how they do it. I don't know what, but they come in and they do. And then those that don't, then we get emails from, we get emails from there every day probably five emails a day maybe ten asking free waivers and I, I just I can't open the floodgates there if I say yes you, no one pays you guys don't pay and then so now all these films get to not pay but everyone else is paying I've even asked people like look can someone else pay for you I mean there's other countries other people if someone you know in the states or in LA or whatever you know offer discount something but you gotta it just, it just has to be the principle of you just offering all these waivers to people now we have to spend our time and resources for staff to watch these films this doesn't work for us. I just I don't I don't see it as being something that's equitable or fair. I know it's tough with those kind of country sanctions and things. That, that's a tough situation. But for us, we haven't really figured a way to solve that. You know, at this time, quite frankly, and being honest, I just you know I know some other festivals do just completely waive fees for for Iran and things like that. Like feeling like okay, they can't pay and that kind of stuff. I just it's not something we feel like we can do with our resources and our, our team size and things. I just it's just not something. I just yeah. So we we don't. I'm uh, just not a proponent of that. And many times the emails, if it's not with any good effort or any good reason, it's just, it is kind of, it's, yeah. I look, I people always say, right, like, get, you get what you ask for. You got to ask, right? Hey, if you don't ask, you don't receive. Like, hey, at least ask. Throw it out there. Why not? Sure. But if you do submit, then fine. But if you don't have submitting, so you're asking for a waiver, I'm going to say no. And then you don't submit. Now your film never plays, never gets in. And then what, what's the point of all that? I think if you put that time into that, those emails, like, you can put your time into something else. So that's, you know, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't go into, you know, I'm not going to go into the local coffee shop and say, you know, yeah. hey, is it, is it, could you just give me this one, yeah. you exactly. know, latte for free this time? And, exactly. You know. I, I just, it's, it, to me, yeah. it's, there's nothing different. I, I don't even see how there is someone, how they could look at it as anything different. I, I don't. And it's a, yeah, that's exactly a good point. It's a good analogy. It's like, you're not going to walk into some store and say, hey, give it to me free just, be, just because. Right. Whether we have struggle or not, everyone has some struggle. I mean, I, we, again, it was in a position of real struggle in college and it was, you found things away. I did, you know, you do what you got to do to survive and get by and stuff. You don't just like ask for things just because you feel you're in a different place or special than anyone else, or you, you just don't have to pay just because you don't want to. Like, so those kind of emails, like I just don't understand. Like you're just basically telling me you just don't feel like paying, so you're gonna ask. It's it's really odd to me. If you think about any other business, like if people just all went to Starbucks and they had ten people a day coming in asking for a free cup of coffee, it's not happening. And imagine if it was like you're like no, and you know I, I just. I, yeah, it's really a, a bizarre thing. I guess it's just something that is just part of this business, and it's a, it's it's a inherent with it. But it's definitely different and unique to this because, again, like you said, you're not Starbucks isn't getting bombarded with free offers every day for 
you know, customers just saying, hey, look, I want this one free this time, you know, or <laughs> like, it's just, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, yeah. Um, but it definitely is a, a, definitely a pet peeve for, for many programmers and festivals. I, I would imagine I'm speaking for others. Uh, maybe some don't care as much or, or like it, or I don't know, but obviously most, most don't like it and are not uh, appreciative of that email and the time spent on that. So definitely, yeah. Yeah, I'd say just don't. <laughs>